Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. Hey, this is Michael Wagner, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. And we are back in the same room at HQ2. And it feels so good. It feels so right. Oh my God. Welcome back from uh, Europe. Hey, welcome back from Japan. Uh, our uh, vacations are over. We had a blast. Maybe we'll do a recap episode on our, our trips. That would be fun. It sounds so exciting to everybody else. And then I went to this beach. <laughs> right. And then I had noodles. Then I went to this crazy robot restaurant. <laughs> you went to some crazy places. Uh, but yeah, we are back. We're here at HQ2. It's nice to be talking Metallica again. There's a lot to talk about because, of course, SNM2 has happened. Yep. And we're going to be talking about it in at least night one in excruciating detail today with our friend Chris Yerges. You all know him out there as Metallica Claus. That's right. And of course, he made a big splash out there because he wore this big SNM tuxedo. Yeah, he, I mean, that was very detailed. The cufflinks to his shoes, exactly. everything. Exactly. He, and he's a big SNM dude, so he's the guy to talk to. He's got copious notes that he sent us. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking with Chris a little later. That's going to be fun. Uh, and until then, we're going to jump back into some housekeeping because it's been a minute since we've checked in with the fam. It has, yeah. Of course, the episodes you heard while we were on vacation, we pre-recorded and uh, had two radio episodes, things like that. So it is nice to be back in the same room, face-to-face. Penis to penis, as we usually do do these. Oh my god! Oh, I'm sorry man. I said that. You know, I, I I learned a new term when I was in Ireland, in Northern Ireland, in okay. Belfast, with yeah. a friend. Um, uh, if you if you refer to someone as a bell end, mm-hmm. it's like the tip of the penis. <laughs> and so we kept calling each other bell ends the whole day. I've never heard that before, but I want to incorporate that in my uh, vo- vocabulary now. It's it's so uh, genius and so juvenile and insane all at the same time. It's, so we it, use it in a sentence. It's something. A, it's some. You know. It's something a, a bell end would say. <laughs> there we go. Popsicle. <laughs> Quit being popsicle such a bell end, mate. Is that how they talk in That's Belfast? Not, uh, no, that definitely <laughs> that was not. not. Belfast was it? No. <laughs> was, Can you do an Irish accent? Irish is really tough. They're Irish. Kind of like, they're kind of. Uh, Look at the Irish. Welcome to, uh, welcome to Ireland. Uh, um, they instead of um, they say um. Yeah, I only know that from countless U two interviews. I think I can more. Uh, Accurately, not accurately, but I, I can do a, I do a bit of a Scottish accent, mate. I I like the idea of your Irish accent being your Austrian Torben accent. <laughs> hey, dude, do do the Bell End Irish thing that you do. Um, I think that's uh, 
the people that uh, make fun of our podcast are nothing but villains. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally uh, Northern Ireland right there. Now, check this out. Speaking of SNM2, we got some news here from the boys. If you missed the shows, as Ethan and I did, because we were uh, on various vacations, That's right. uh, living it up out there in the world. If you did miss it, the good news is on October 9th, they're showing the movie in theaters for one night only. Okay, this is what they had to say. We are psyched to be bringing you SNM2, a celebration of the 20th anniversary of the original SNM Concerts album and film that also commemorates the grand opening of the state of the art Chase Center, a historic addition to San Francisco's waterfront. Oh. I'm like, is this like, is Lars a real estate agent now? Is a real like, estate what, mogul? What is he talking about? <laughs> uh, it's going to be shown in over 3,000 movie theaters, which, by the way, if you guys don't know much about that, that is considered definitely a wide release. It is definitely going to be in a town near you. 3,000 screens is yeah. a lot. Are you in town for that? I think that's the same day my sister comes into town for our birthday. I am in town for it, and is I it? thought me and you and Moke were going to go. What, what's the October 9th? It's like Tuesday or Wednesday. Tuesday or Wednesday? It's a midweek gig. I wonder if my sister would want to go the day she flies in. <laughs> uh, maybe, she will, maybe she'll want to take a 90-minute break and just chill at your house. <laughs> you come Because we were going to do an episode on it, too. That's true. Dang. Family? Gosh, why, does, why do I have to be a twin? Well, how long is she going to be in town? Like five days. Okay, well, is she going to be okay for that one night? <laughs> Maybe she will. Okay. Um, I, well, we, dude, we have to go to that. It's one night only. One night only. We have to. Tell your sister. We have to do. I was just going to say, well, Maybe we'll do a thing later. No, we can't. <laughs> Maybe we'll do th- that was like, what was that voice? Maybe we'll, we'll do a thing later. That was my like, man, I know it's your sister and you know, I want you to be with your sister because family's really important, <laughs> but maybe we'll do it later. But we can't. <laughs> that was like my empathy guy. That is a good... I, well, I know you've been through a lot and you just got through from, from Europe and you have kids to do. And, you, I, know, you know, it's like... Um, maybe we'll figure something out, man. <laughs> That's a good character. Uh, here's where you can buy the tickets. Metallica.film. Again, because it's weird. Metallica, not .com, not .com slash film. Metallica.film. And what it'll do is it, it, it uses some sort of algorithm because, you know, the government spies on us and our privacy is... 100% compromised at all times, and it'll just pull up based on your social security or your uh, not social security <laughs> number, your zip code, the closest theaters to you where you can buy tickets. If you buy tickets, your identity will be stolen, which is worth it, I guess. It's one night only. Yeah, one well, night you only. No, it's one night only. Well, they, I mean, steal your, they steal your identity, but you don't really use it anyway. Yeah. I mean, wh- what's your identity anyway? What is identity? I mean, the yeah. time's a flat circle, so. <laughs> Okay. Good to be back. So, all right, October 9th. So, if you didn't go, you got to go to this night. We're going to try to go with our friend Moke, and we're going to obviously do an episode on it, probably with some black and whiskey. Now, the number two thing here, I thought this was uh, this made me proud of the boys. According to Polestar's new stats, Metallica grossed $36.6 million over their last eight shows. That's it? Just eight shows. Oh, man, it's just only $36 million. Well, you know, we were aiming for about 50, but we had 36.6, which is pretty cool. I mean, that's a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 well, it's whatever. Once you tie in the overhead, though, management takes 20%, and, you know, the cost of doing business. Yeah, we made about We made about a million bucks. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> we made a little more when we <laughs> stole all those tickets from the, from the primary market, and we scalped them ourselves, <laughs> though. That's weird that we never heard them tell you Oh, God, about I hope no one in the band hears that. I'm just kidding. Gosh, no joke. So that includes the last six shows of the European Stadium Tour and the two S&M shows. 371,439 tickets sold, averaging 46,000 at each of the last eight shows. An average gross of $4.5 million per show. Well, we were hoping, I can't even do it anymore. We were hoping well, for $4.6 million. million. Good. You know, I mean, we had, some, we had higher goals. You know, we're really hard on ourselves, but... Okay. Uh, I love this new voice. Yeah, we got to figure out the name wow. for that guy. Like that guy's name is like Stephen or something, or like Lance or I don't know. Like, uh, it's me, Lance. Yeah, Lance is pretty good. It's it's a bit. It's a. It's almost like a, a, a in the Eeyore family. You know, it's kind of like oh bother. Well, 
<laughs> it is kind of like Eeyore, but you know, Lance is good too, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you can guys call me whatever you want. We'll figure it out. Uh, the next thing is Kirk was on a show called Rockstars and Cars, which is interesting because uh, he kind of talks about more sh- like with that other car thing they did with the J- Corbin, Corbin, that guy, the funny guy, oh, the, late the carpool night guy. karaoke. Yeah, yeah, all right, all right. This is a little more in depth. Some of the things Kirk talked about, you can watch it yourself, by the way, but. Kirk talks about being obsessed with classical music, which he's currently into, wanting to direct a horror movie, which is interesting. He talks about the wedding band with Rob, his appreciation for punk music and funk music of the 70s. He also mentions that I did not know, you know, at the Doodle in Nashville, they played a Loretta Lynn song. Oh. And he says that Loretta Lynn was in the crowd with her family and texted him the next day and was like, hey, I was, it was so, we were at the show and we were just so tickled to see Surely he knew that she was there, right? Or did she just show up as a fan? According to the interview, no, he, uh, he didn't know she was there. That's crazy. Because he basically said, you know, when they roll into these countries or cities, they they kind of that day do some homework. Right. What's like a, a very well-known song from this area? Right. An and he said mo- much of the time, sometimes it's like we're about to listen to this Celtic Frost thing. Sometimes it's bands that they love and they've loved forever. It's like a motorhead song. Right. But sometimes they'll just sort of get a feel for what's popular. And yeah. like for Nashville, they were like, well, what could we do? I mean, they probably thought about Johnny Cash or something. Flora Georgia Line, <laughs> Luke <laughs> Bryan. Oh, Loretta, let's do Loretta Lynn. Uh, so they may not, you know, they may not have known she was there. Yeah, wow. I thought about that too, man. Metallica has been so, they're so big. They've been so, they're like, they're like you two in the, in, uh, the Stones and stuff. At every gig they play, there's probably famous people there. Yeah, for sure. Just at everywhere they go. And, and I bet... I bet if it's really big people, they they know. Hey, by yeah. the by the way, uh, you know, Dave Grohl's hanging out tonight. Well, he's friends with Lars, so he's probably backstage. Yeah, but like uh, someone that they maybe aren't friends with, like, hey, Brad Pitt's in, exactly, in yeah, yeah, front and center, right? right. Brad and Brad and Angelina came. Yeah, just so you know, they're here. But even think about other celebrities that are just fans mm-hmm. that go, like Loretta Lynn. Loretta Lynn. Holy shit! You know, what, if I remember right, she was down in the pit. I think I saw her just. just I think yeah. I think I saw. I, I think I saw her headbutt a guy during Sabbath. True. <laughs> there, there was a circle pit that formed to the right of us. And I remember. Right. I think I saw a girl. I a, think you a, know a woman what? See a, a sparkly dress. Now that I think about it, I think it was her that instigated the wall of death. Oh, you're right. She totally did. Well, I saw her at one point, just like like a dragon shout. I want a wall of death. Yeah. I now. Heard, I, it, was that the same time we heard someone scream, "Open this shit up." And then Wall of Death. That was, was her. That was her. That okay. was Loretta. Yeah, wow, totally. Amazing. It's so nice to finally put to connect these events because yeah. we've been wondering for months what that was. I've, yeah, I'm still. Wondering. It was Loretta Lynn, um, coal miner's daughter. Okay. Uh, now talking about the doodles and stuff. So Tom G. Warrior, who is the formerly frontman of Celtic Frost, and currently the frontman of Tripticon, uh, which is interesting, man, that this guy's coming up on our radar now because I just watched these two H.R. Giger documentaries. Do you know mm-hmm. who H.R. Giger was? Mildly, he was an artist who did. He's famous for he basically his art is the Alien films. Oh right, we talked about this. He did he did Jonathan Davis's Mike Stand, yes. and stuff like that. He, yeah, he, but he was pretty famous before Ridley Scott tapped yeah. him for Alien, and he does these really uh, nightmarish dreamscape machine and human. Yeah. It's called biomechanical, and it all art. comes from his dreams and stuff. And he too. dreams it. It's what he sees in his dreams, and and like so there are these documentaries about him that I recommend any of you go go seek it out. They're, the documentaries are amazing. He was an amazing artist. Yeah. Uh, well, this guy is a, he was a huge fan, and I think Celtic Frost used some of his artwork um, for one of their art pieces. He ended up being his personal assistant. Crazy. Just because uh, obviously Celtic Frost isn't selling out stadiums, right? And uh, and I think he he's from 
Switzerland, where H.R. Giger's from, and he just admired the dude yeah. and ended up just working with him. And, like, you know, because as H.R. Giger got older, he passed away, like, five or six years ago. Okay. So, anyway, I'm watching these documentaries, and there's this Celtic Frost guy who's, like, helping him, like, move prints around and pay bills. And right. Just his personal assistant. Crazy. He seems super cool. He seems like a total asshole here, though. So, in the Zurich show, at the Zurich show, rather, Metallica did, a, they did the doodle of a song called The Usurper. Okay. And we all know how the doodles go. I mean, all right. They're just... They're fine. They're fun little Sometimes Rob sings them. Sometimes the crowd kind of sings them. And they always, you know, they kind of start with James saying, hey, I want to introduce you to my brothers, Kirk and Rob. Right. Open up your ears. We're going to have some fun. He kind of sets the tone. He does, yeah. This is just going to be fun. It's just going to be fun. Don't take it too serious. Unfortunately, people like this guy do take it way too serious. Well, then, so then Rob comes out and says, hey, everybody, thanks, James. Uh... We're going to have some fun. You guys got to help us with the chorus. The vibe, whether you think they sound great or not, the vibe is 100% good. Yeah. The vibe is good. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just giving everyone a break. It's some local song. We don't know what it's going to be. Like, everything about it's fun. It's a fun thing. Yeah. We can't emphasize how fun it is. <laughs> It'd be a real fun shirt to have, but it since really it's not would. a shirt yet. Uh, so if this is what this butthole had to say about it. <laughs> They butchered it, and it was humiliating. Aww. Was it oh. humiliating to have the biggest metal band of all time pay homage to you? Yeah. Why don't they leave their millionaire fingers off it? They've long lost the ability to play true metal, in my opinion. Maybe I should go on stage and do a miserable version of Hit the Lights with 200 Mistakes to set the balance. Yeah, go ahead. You're going to go do that in the, at the local in open the, mic yeah, in, in Zurich? The club for 25 people? Now, because... Uh, uh, because I'm a fastidious co-host here, I have arranged to listen to some of this. Now, do we want to hear Celtic Frost actual ver the OG version first a little bit, I, and then hear their interpretation sure. of it? I guess sure. Because I've never listened to Celtic Frost. No, nor have I. Okay. Nor have I. Nor have I, Sia. Here is Celtic Frost, the Usurper. The Usurper. <sighs> Yeah. Oh. Uh, well, Pretty cool artwork. Cool riffs. This is getting a little, uh, it's definitely thrashy. Got a Tom Araya vibe. It's cool. So this is the this is that dude singing. This I is, assume this is Tom G. Warrior. So that's from 1985's To Mega Therion album. Now, let's check out the Doodles. We're having a party tonight. We're going to celebrate some local music, all right? Okay. Real metal. Real metal. One of our favorite bands. See, they're being so nice about it. Celtic I know. Frost. I call them Celtic Frost. <laughs> Whatever you want to call them. Call I always them. think the same thing. But if you know this song, please sing. 
Look, they even have a picture of him on the Megatron. It's an homage. It totally is. And this guy's all butthurt about it. What's wrong? I mean, it sounds fine. <coughs> How about Rob's fingers sounding like a double kick drum? I know. That's crazy. Yeah. Sounds like a metal singer. That sounds good. Yeah. Come on, Rob, do a solo record. Why is this guy so butthurt about this? All right, look. All right, I'm, all right. First of all, it sounds fine. It sounds fine. Also, I'm really impressed with Rob's kind of screamy metal, kind of thrashy voice. Yeah. What? That's real cool. He could totally pull that off. Yeah. I, I mean, you hear him do it in BGVs and gang vocal stuff, like, but that's that's bitching. I know. For some reason, I don't really like. I don't. I mean, yeah, I don't like it in Metallica as much, especially when he tries to do the singy, more singy stuff. Right. That yeah. part in spit. But that was fine. Yeah. All right. As was their doodle of that Celtic Frost song. Well, it's a shame that it's a shame that, that guy didn't take it for what it was, which was a huge compliment. It was a big compliment. They had a giant picture of Celtic Frost on the Titantron. I mean, <laughs> come on. Titantron. It's it's basically a, a massive promotion for this band. And there might have been a couple thousand people in that crowd that were like Oh, yeah, I love this band. I'm going to go home and buy this. Well, yeah, tell you what, Tom G. Warrior, go check out those Spotify stats and those record sales and see if you didn't see a little spike that night, you butthole. <laughs> Having said that, uh, I love your work with H.R. Geiger, Geiger, Geiger Schmidt, Geiger, Geiger, Geiger Armour Counter. Schmidt. Uh, and uh, I would appreciate if you would come on the podcast and tell me all about that and maybe give me some of his rare shit he probably gave to you after he passed away. Yeah. Okay, now, since Simple. we've been gone, we have gotten a lot of since new patrons. We've been gone. <laughs> We got patrons for the first time. We're gonna name them now. Yeah, yeah. Thanks uh, to Clint and Ethan. <laughs> we'll do it now. Uh, now, obviously, we took a few weeks off, but we plus I think we did get a spike though because last week, if you guys all listen, I gave away ten gifts to patrons. You did, yeah. And I think eight out of the ten have cleaned them already, and they're already sent out, and it, it fills us with joy to give gifts to our patrons. And uh, it's a big, it's just a thank you for supporting the show. We couldn't right. do it without you. We're going to name these names right because at the very minimum, we like to give them a shout out, right? Exactly. We have uh, Joe Chavez, Steve Byrne, Nick Roller, Jay Middleton, John Lee, Lauren Singh, Mark Wapple, Peter R., and Chad Walswick. Yes. All right. Thanks, everybody. Good to see people getting on the Patreon yeah, train. Yeah, getting on that train, all aboard. You're going to hear about it later, all the stuff that you kind of get and what we're trying to do over there with the Patreon. But needless to say, it's a big part of the success of the show, and we couldn't do it without you. Come follow us on all the socials, blah, 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 you'll find it. Yeah. Uh, MetalUpYourPodcast.com is where you can buy the t-shirts. They're affordable. They're easy. We mail them out to you. You wear them. 
people go, that's a nice shirt. You look thinner today. Yeah, what is that? Yeah, who are you? Will you be my new best friend? Exactly. Do you want a raise? Do you want a promotion? It's also like a little flag at Metallica shows for fans, to, podcast fans to find each other, too. Well, that was, I mean, we're going to hear from Chris about this, of course, but that was a big part of the pre-party sitch. And then, of course, at the show itself, where many of our, the Metal Up Your Podcast family were wearing their shirts, mm-hmm. and that was how they were able to spot and identify each other. So you take note, Australian and New Zealand listeners. That's yes. right, nice. Hey, listen here, all you blokes and Sheilas. <laughs> Sheilas? Yeah, Sheilas. All you uh, bell ears. <laughs> you bell ends. Bell ends. Don't, hey, listen, don't be a bell end. Get one of our shirts and wear it to a show. Here's the most fun thing coming up in regards to all that stuff is that uh, Cover Over Black in Volume 4 has started. I played a few rough mixes last week. Oh, you did? Awesome. Got a great response. Carbidian Baby and Turn the Page. Sweet. Yeah, no, I'm excited to finally be home for more than two days so I can start working on some tunes. I know. It'll be, maybe it'll be a little Christmas gift for everybody. It'll be nice to, to bring it back to the Metallica material. Yeah. You know, we took a break on Cover Over Black in Volume 3. Which here's was t- fun. Here's the deal. If you become a patron today, you get volumes one through three mm-hmm. you get lunar satan demos you get bonus track for my record this week we are talking to Jad, chad samish who is james hetfield's guitar tech and we let patrons ask him questions that's right as we did with jay weinberg with right. all, all of our guests we'll do that uh we're getting jay weinberg back on later yep joe sib wants to come on the show the guy who made the barrier thrash uh, documentary wants to come on the show yeah a lot of cool people coming on the show. Jay's excited to come back on the show. I, I, we were texting the other day uh, after they got back from from the first leg of the Slipknot World. By the way, congrats tour. to Jay and the band on going number one. Yeah, we are not your kind. Pretty amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, that's great for a metal record to go number one on Billboard 200. That's yep. awesome. That's an incredible. Yeah, uh, it's also Tool. Yeah, well, yeah, I was about, I was about to say. Slipknot went number one, then Taylor Swift, I think, put her new record out, and yeah. that went number one, and then yeah. Tool dethroned her. Tool dethroned it. And her fans are super bummed. Imagine that, 2019, Tool dethroning Taylor Swift, which, by the way, the new Taylor Swift is awesome. Jack yeah, Antonoff produced half of it. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, Jack's a good dude. Dude, he is crushing it. He just did the new Lana Del Rey record, yeah, he which is, is so dope. He's uh, Everything he's done has always been great. I mean, if, if you don't know who he is, he was in that band Fun. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, a huge Bleachers fan. He was in the, Yeah, he did Bleachers. Uh, he did... Uh, there was a band in between, what were they called? Uh... In between Shoot. fun and bleachers, yes, it was another thing. Another project he did. I've got it at home. I'll look at. I'll, I'll send it to you later. But uh, yeah, fun. Before that, th- those guys were in a band called The Format, and, mm-hmm. and he's the done format. a lot of writing and producing lately, and he is just crushing it. Well, he's at the top of the game. Yeah, if he's producing Taylor and and Lana Del Rey, it's like if he it's produced like if, Lord's second record. Yeah, it's like when pop artists kind of want to go a little more like indie and and get a little bit of a cool factor. That Jack's got a call now. Uh, I mean, we could do a whole episode on the new Tool record. It's really, really good. Um, I haven't I listened do- to it nonstop. Really? I haven't yeah. do- dove in yet. Well, it's I, it took me about two weeks because it's been 13 years. There's so much buildup. Every song's like 10 minutes long. Yeah. And I, I just didn't... I wanted there to be enough time and respect. And finally, I just quit being precious about it. Yeah. And like while my kid was like watching something, I just put some headphones... I just kind of quit being precious. Yeah. And just dove in. Awesome. And it's awesome. Great. So I kind of just dipped in and was like jumping tracks. Now I've kind of getting starting to get familiar with it. I'm starting to take it the full track listing at night when I'm going to bed. Yeah, and that's a scary thing to do if you're a huge fan of a band after, especially was 13 years. Yeah, 13 years. It's like, okay, they're making a new record. They put out a new record. It's a big like, deal. I hope it's good, you know, because there's bands that have done that in the past where you know they take a long hiatus. You know, like I do think part of me waiting so long was a, a tiny fear that it wouldn't be good. Right, and I I didn't want to live in the world where Tool had a bad record. Mm-hmm. So right. I was, yeah. it's like Schrodinger's cat or whatever. Yeah. All right. Um, we're going to dip into the emails here. We get emails. I mean, we are so backlogged on emails from our vacation. It's yeah. 
ridiculous. But uh, we're going to get back on track with that. And we do a little segment on the show where we dip in. We read five emails per week. Uh, patrons get priority on their emails being read. And it's good to hear from the Patreon community as well as the Metal Up Your Podcast right. community in general. So we're going to do that now in what we like to call the email Metal corner. All right, our first email is from Danny Santana. He says, "What's up, brothers? <laughs> I don't know you guys. Uh, I know you guys ha- have fantastic guests coming up to talk about SNM in magnificent detail, but I wanted to share something of my own. The original SNM was where my Metallica fandom truly began. That began the uh, long path of listening, watching, reading, and learning everything Metallica. It honestly kept me up, or sorry, kept me at home and out of a lot of trouble as I grew up. Metallica was the friend I would rush home to hang out with. That's, that's awesome. That's I had really cool. I have a very similar. I think that's really true about." especially parents that are worried about aggressive music, mm-hmm. they miss sometimes that this music is an outlet for aggression. Yeah. And it does keep you out of what otherwise might be trouble. I mean, it did for me. Like, I mean, I, there was a few people I hung out with like in early high school years that were like kind of shady, you know, and... Same, I, knew, I had the same. And I knew my parents were kind of worried about that, but they were also kind of like, oh, he's wearing a lot of metal t-shirts. But that's what would happen. I go home from school, like, yeah, I didn't. My grades didn't do well, but mm-hmm. I would go home and learn Metallica songs or Anthrax songs or whatever, and it just it kept me occupied, and I wasn't out doing stupid shit. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Danny. Uh, it goes on to say, I, can, I cannot even begin to tell you the emotions that ran through me during the night. That Cliff tribute just had so many layers to it; it was incredible. Uh, anyways, I'm rambling, rambling, but I cannot wait to hear everyone's thoughts and stories from the weekend. Cheers from Los Angeles, California, New Jersey, Danny Santana. Well, the dude who played the anesthesia solo, the cellist of mm-hmm. SNM2, is going to be on the show. That's right. We have uh, established contact. So, And he's down to come on, and he seems like a super cool guy, and I, I think we're, we're going to try to crack the code this week. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of a big week for us, because we're mm-hmm. doing this episode today. We're going to talk to Chad. We're going to talk to Scott, who was the cellist from SNM2, and that'll be super fascinating just to get the whole perspective. I mean, was he at the first SNM? Was he familiar with the SNM? Yeah. Was he a fan? How long in advance did he know they were doing the gig? What were the rehearsals like? Yeah. Blah, blah, et cetera, you know? I mean, I think he, uh, I, I, you know, I found his Instagram page, and like there was, like the day before, he posted a picture of his pedal board for his cello. It had like a wah on it and like a distortion pedal. Absolutely, yeah. And it's like, I think, I mean, I would imagine he was uh, he's a, a cliff fan. fan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you watch any clips. I found a few on YouTube. I've been avoiding them. I watched. I watched one or two, and it, it really is an amazing thing he did. Cool. It's, it's not just anesthesia. Okay. That's that. That's the 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 meat and potatoes of it. Okay. But he does all sorts of things. Oh, it's a, a medley a, a, around it. it. It's. Does he it's, do for him? It's almost like no. It's almost like stuff he makes up or whatever in between the very recognizable cliff parts. It's oh. really really cool. Wow. It's very like powerful sounding. I think you'll dig it. Yeah, I can't wait to hear like whose idea was that and what the rehearsal was like for that section mm-hmm. in particular. I mean, it's going to be a fascinating conversation. Yeah. I, mean, I feel like this month is kind of going to be an S&M month. S&M month, yeah. You know what I mean? Because we're going to get some really uh, uh, I'm super interested in the insight from Chad about guitar teching a gig like that mm-hmm. amongst everything else we're going to talk to Chad about. Um, thanks for the email, Danny. Always good to hear from Danny. Steve Byrne writes in, Hey guys, been listening to the podcast for about a year. Just wanted to say thanks. Starting way back when I was a kid, Metallica was really important to me and my friends. We'd geek out over our favorite band, our favorite riffs from each album, which solos we were digging, and the random trivia we knew about the band. It all culminated when we got to see our first Metallica show at Lollapalooza in 96 and spent the car ride home gushing about the amazing experience we just had. My friend Dan claimed to make eye contact with Jason. I almost caught James's beer cup and how we all loved participating in the die chant during Creep. When I discovered Metal Up Your Podcast, it brought back a lot of those feelings, 
as if I found a community of equally obsessed Metallica fans that I've been missing for much of my adult life. Thanks for all you do to make the podcast and for keeping the Metallica community thriving. Steve Byrne, Rochester, New York. That's cool. Amazing compliments, dude. Thank you. And I, dude, I remember the same thing. My first time seeing Metallica was in Atlanta at the Georgia Dome, and it was a total fiasco because James didn't show up. Then we right. had to go back to Lakewood Amphitheater in Atlanta, and we took the MARTA back to wherever our cars were. Yeah. The transit, the, the right, subway yeah. of Atlanta. Oh, yeah. And just recounting every single moment. Yeah. Yeah, same thing. I mean, first time I saw him wasn't until 09, and I was just like, the whole rest of the night, just even going to sleep, I was just, just think, glowing about everything. It was awesome. Dude, man. I'll never forget, we were like 17 years old in 2001 or whatever that was, mm-hmm. and during Inner Sandman, during the Take My Hand part of the chorus, my best friend Aaron, which we weren't the kind of people that were like meeting strangers. Right. We weren't, we're just not those people. Yeah. During that moment, him and the guy next to him, who was a guy in his 30s or 40s, were so excited that during the Take My Hand, they clasped hands. Yes. <laughs> and we're staring deeply into each other's eyes, singing the rest of the, we're off to never, never. Man. I was laughing so fucking hard, dude. I almost fell down. Were you also kind of bummed it wasn't you clasping hands? Uh, that's not really my style, unless yeah. it be you. Like, I'll, right. I'll, I'll hug you. Yeah. I'll bear hug your ass during Inner Sandman. Mm, yes, please. But not a stranger. <laughs> yeah. It's just not my style. Uh, thanks, Steve. Glad the podcast is uh, bringing back those yeah. memories for you, homie. That's awesome. Uh, next email is from Jay Middleton. He says, hey, guys, I was at the SNM 2 Night 1 show and saw one of your T-shirts, so... Uh, I gave it a listen and I'm hooked. Oh, that's awesome. Cool. See, that's another thing that the t shirts do for those of you out that. there who are considering getting one is it's turning people on to the show. Yeah. So, my friend Jim and I flew down from Seattle to see the show last week. When I was 13, I rented the original Metallica SM DVD from Netflix. That's, that's right. Because they, they still do discs, you can still order them. Netflix? Netflix started as a DVD rental. I remember company. that when the disc would come to your house. But yeah. they oh, still do I them? I think they might. I, I, don't quote, don't quote me, because I, I mean... <laughs> You're quoted, bro. Damn it, it's recording. This is a podcast. It's recording? This is going to live We've been recording this whole thing? <laughs> um, but but I, will, I, I do know, if it is gone, it wasn't that long ago they stopped doing it. Yeah, I remember do, getting the discs. Yeah, I had a friend that used to like order discs from Netflix and then rip them on his computer and send them back. Not a butthole. What a butthole. We're not friends anymore. <laughs> Um, I mean, you know, I wanted Netflix. to buy them, but uh, you know, like I was, you know, I, just, I can't afford them. Like, I couldn't really afford it. And, you know, I was trying to figure something out. And my allowance isn't that high. <laughs> I was gonna pay them back, you know. Yeah, I'll pay them back eventually. Uh, where did we leave off? Uh, from Netflix uh, when they first started, uh, and after that, I uh, wanted to play guitar and, and have been playing ever since. Nice. So, so when I found out that they were doing the show, and a couple of days before my birthday, it felt like it was meant to be. The amount of people that flew in from all over the world for these shows blew my mind. Met a lady at the airport that told me she'd been over to 100, 100 Metallica shows in 17 different countries. At that moment, I realized that I was underachieving. Mm. <laughs> uh, when the first uh, when the set first started at, at Call of Cthulhu, I had a good cry. Don't tell my wife because she's pissed that I didn't cry at our wedding. <laughs> Hopefully, she doesn't listen to our show then. <laughs> uh, no, he didn't cry at all. I don't know what you're talking about. Cry? cry? Who cries? No crying Metallica in baseball. No crying in a Metallica show. Um, I got a few texts from some of our podcast listeners that shed tears at the show. Sure. I probably would have too. Let's, of course. Be, let's be real. Of course. Uh, but all the emotions I felt when I was 13 came back, which is which made it all surreal. I'm glad this podcast exists because it reminds me of how important Metallica is to me. You guys are awesome. Sincerely, Jay Middleton. P.S. Postscript. I love the covers. You, uh, the cover stuff you guys do. You don't need to plug. Uh, plug. Ugh, I can't read today. You don't need to plug me, but uh, here's a link to my project for your own listening and enjoyment. Yeah, I dialed this up. So this is uh, called Aurora's Eyes, and this is kind of a 
uh, it's like a psychedelic kind of experimental rock band based in Seattle. Dig it. And we get, you know, we have a lot of talented listeners that make music. They send us stuff all the time. I'd still want to do a radio episode where I play a lot of it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, he said himself, you don't have to plug it. He just wanted to share it with us. I figure we play a little bit on well, the show. Well, guess what? Yeah. We're going to plug it. This is a song called Arm. And you, by the way, it's soundcloud.com slash Aurora's Eyes. Aurora, like where Wayne Campbell's from. Exactly, where they, where they do the show. pretty guitar yeah it's a song called arm but arm is an acronym what does it stand for aerial aurora roadmap aurora roadmap aurora roadmap it's a trippy trippy guitar effect yeah Cassandra No stairway Tonight I'm out of gas And you need a jacket <laughs> I like those drums Dude, this is dope It's like super like mel- Heavy mellow It reminds me of You ever listen to uh, Explosions in the Sky? Yeah Kind of reminds me of that Yeah, this is dope. Yeah, I it's kind of it. like experimental, instrumental rock. Yeah. Roadmap to Aurora. Dude, this is Jay, Jay right? Jay, this is awesome. Yo, yeah. Jay, if you want me to write lyrics for this If you project, want Wayne, Wayne's World-themed lyrics, we got yeah. your back, homie. We had to beat him to death with his own shoes. <laughs> Remember the roadie? Yep. We had to beat him to death yeah. with his own shit. Oh, that was part two. Oh, are we just doing one? I can, oh, oh, no, we can do both. I can do just one. I don't even own a gun to necessitate an entire rack. I lost you two months ago. Get the net at Stacy. You know that Milwaukee has had its share of visitors. <laughs> I couldn't even finish that one. Oh, shit. Oh, my. All right. Thanks, Jay. Gosh. That was killer, man. So check it out. Aurora's Eyes, uh, Seattle based. <laughs> I promise you the normal versions don't have us singing about Wayne's World over it. That wasn't the normal one? Not yet. All right. <laughs> Kyle Hotchkiss writes in, what's up, Clint and Ethan? Hope you've enjoyed your time off, had some time to recharge. Also, a very happy belated birthday to Clint, which thank you. Also, it sounds like Jay Middleton's birthday 
He said that the SNM shows were a few days before his birthday. My All birthday right, was so on Monday, so happy, happy belated. Uh, it sounds like we might have the same birthday. Happy birthday to Clint. Thank you. It's been a while since I've written in, but I'm finally coming down from the high known as SNM2. Wanted to share some highlights that relate to Metal Up Your Podcast. First of all, I saw a ton of people in Metal Up Your Podcast shirts at the various events, which I thought was awesome. Second, I ran into our buddy Chris Yurgis all week, ha, speak of the devil, and was able to see his epic custom tuxedo for the event. I hope you both get a chance to see it in person because it's super cool. Third, Chris introduced me to Anya and Sarah Sobek of Metal Up Your Podcast fame. They were two of the nicest people I've ever met. We agree. And it was so great meeting them after feeling like I've known them from the podcast. Uh, he wrote up a big thing about the uh, gigs, which he sent us a link to. He says, keep rocking. Looking forward to cover Our World Black in Volume 4, Lunar Satan, and the eventual, eventual episodes on SNM2. P.S. Thanks, Clint, for answering my questions on your radio episode. Loved hearing about what critically acclaimed movies you, weren't, you aren't super into. Uh, take care and keep rocking, Kyle. Now you got to have a bit of a metal podcast meetup. Yeah, in we had it in L London. In London, right? Yeah, Ani was there. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, Andy John brought us Andy some John, vinyl. I want to say yeah. thank you to him. Thomas for that. there, Miguel was there. It was awesome. We had a really good time. We hung out in uh, Shepherd's Bush area. This place called Brew Dog. That's an awesome uh, beer spot. Yeah, we had a good time. We just hung out outside. It was me and my wife, a couple friends, all the you know metal podcast family. Yeah, got our Faith No More vinyl. It was fun. Yeah, man, that's so cool. I mean. <laughs> Unbelievable that Tom Quee did not make it to that party. Yeah. Oh right, hello. And he was uh, just still on his. He was still on Alphatalica greeting everybody. He was too busy greeting everybody. Hello on the show. and hi and welcome. <laughs> and then I got to make this quick because I got to get down to Shepherd's Bush and hang out with Ethan from Melody Podcast. Hello and hi and greetings and we'll feed a Zane and etc. <laughs> oh shoot, it, it's already. Oh it's shoot, over. I'm gonna miss the train and the trolley. Oh, but hello <laughs> and hi and, and etc. And Saint Anger and hello and hi. You know, it was uh, a random thing that happened that night. It was kind of towards the end of us hanging out. Uh, someone had just bought me a, a beer and it, I had maybe two sips out of it and I, I was kind of on the end of these picnic tables and I was leaning over talking to somebody and out of the corner of my eye, I see someone grab a beer and drink it next to me and I turn around and it's this random homeless woman who just walks straight up to our table, grabbed my full beer and it starts chugging it. <laughs> and I turn around and I was a little tipsy and I go, I go, that's my fucking beer. Yeah, appropriate. I reach up to grab it. She just casually lets go and just walks down the street. She drank like three quarters of it. Okay, all right. Listen. I was impressed. Please, I, I, please tell me you didn't drink it after her. Oh, I totally did. No, I did not. Okay, I would, no, that was I would yeah. not do that. That, that. The move of what the fuck are you doing? That's correct. Yeah. Next move is uh, just take it. Well, just I, just take the fuck. I was just here. so confused, so I grabbed it. No, that's confusing. I, I wasn't forcefully grabbing. I reached up, put my hand on the glass. Oh, yeah. She casually just let go and just walked in the street like nothing happened. Well, she's a baller. And then I was like, you know what? She deserved that beer. That was impressive. And then the, the, the one of the servers came out and asked her, is this a common thing over here? She's like, yeah. She's like, just like, you know, you're not in danger over here. I mean, I've been in that area a ton. It's a rad area. But she's like, there's a lot of homeless people that just kind of walk by and like casually grab something off well, your table. Well, you weren't in danger, but you were in danger of having your goddamn beer stolen. Apparently, yeah. It was, it, it, it ended up, it, you know, the whole thing made for a good laugh. And uh, we made it. We, <laughs> <laughs> he drank my she just kept walking. Casual. <laughs> 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 well, 
we got one more email to read before we talk to our friend Chris Yurgis, the old oh, Metallica Claus. So let's hear from this last person and move on. This is from our friend Kat. You know her as Metallica. Who, by the way, procured Chad Pollock, who was awarded, who won the Patreon contest for the SNM 2 Night 2, mm-hmm. who we're going to be talking to about Night 2. She is the person who lovingly spent time refreshing her computer screen and helped us get those tickets to give away. She facilitated so that whole thing. Thank you a, so much. She's a huge friend of the show, so it's good to hear from Kat. Let's hear what she gets. Kat says, hey guys, wow, what a weekend. I just got back from my SNM 2 11,000 mile round trip. Uh, last week I left San Francisco, the San Francisco airport. I'm sorry, yeah, uh, San Francisco airport with Anya blasting coverall black and uh, the rough mix of Carpe Diem, baby, um, mm-hmm. which I love, by the way. And today I left Heath- the Heathrow airport heading home listening to uh, the rough mix of Carpe Diem, baby, on this week's uh, Melody Podcast episode. Full circle. Uh, to say that this weekend was fabulous, awesome, amazing, just doesn't do it justice. It was an epic uh, event that will surely go down as a legendary in the Anals of Metallica? An- I think I think what she meant to say is the anus of Metallica. The anus of Metallica. An annals. Annals of Metallica. Uh, <laughs> Metallica history. Uh, anyway, she says, uh, the, uh, the Night 2 never-ending memory was a particular highlight for me. Uh, uh, where did I go? Uh, at, oh my God. As was the energy <laughs> emanating from the incredible uh, Edwin Outwater. You're like six weeks away from being the homeless person in Shepherd's Bush drinking other people's beer. I know. It sounds like I've been drinking other people's <laughs> beer this morning. Um, but what made the weekend uh, that much more special for me was meeting so many other members of the Melody Podcast family at the shows and various events. What a great bunch of people. Uh, it was such a pity you guys couldn't join us. I know. I know. Don't oh, I know. Geez. Well, it's kind of tough. We're on vacation. Well, you know, we live in Japan, <laughs> and I tried to, you know, t- take a bullet train. Yeah, I mean, believe it or not, we love our wives more than we <laughs> love this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this may come as kind of a surprise to something, but you know, we like our families and stuff too. You know, yeah, yeah, I mean, we like Metallica. That's kind of priority, cool, you know. know? <laughs> <laughs> it was such a pity you guys couldn't join us this time. Uh, maybe see you at the ine- inevitable 40th celebrations, 30th, 30th, 30th anniversary of the Black Album. Um, I'm starting to save. Starting to save now. Oh my gosh! Yeah, thank I think, you, Kat. I think there's definitely more fun, special shit to come that we're going to be going to for sure. Wouldn't it be cool? I mean, I don't know. Do you think it would be still as special if they made this S and M and like an annual event, or would it kind of lose its charm? I mean, like anything in life, the you know familiarity breeds contempt. It would lose yeah. charm if it was more common, yeah. but it would also give them uh, more opportunity to play different songs. Yeah, I do think one of the takeaways for me, just looking at the set list, was. Some of the things they added are so badass. Unforgiven three with just James singing. Yeah, you know, uh, day that never comes. All within my hands. But then some of the repeats and some of the lack of huge left turns was kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. Although I have to, you know, I I totally understand where they're coming from. Yeah, absolutely. Plus, there's, there's no differences <coughs> between night one and night two. So there's a few things like that that if they did do it perennially, it would there would be more opportunities for variety. Right, man. But I understand, too, they had to shoot straight down the bullseye because they're making a, an album and a film of this. Which, by the way, yeah. I started sort of stalking, not really stalking, but I went down a rabbit hole of the uh, the conductor guy yeah. on his Instagram. There's a picture of him with Greg Fiddleman, who was at the gig. And Greg Fiddleman is ba- basically, he basically is Bob Rock now. Yeah. Because he's producing the album. Right, and, I've, and I, there was that, uh, I don't, we should have had that in the news section, there was that... Random quote from Lars, uh, who asked him about it, where he basically talks about the film coming out and mm-hmm. like basically hints that hinted that like the, the the album is going to come out the same day. Yeah, and and another thing that he's been sort of hinting about is another Garage Inc. Yeah, where a fan asked him um, if you were to do a Garage Inc. two, 
what are some of the songs that would be on it? And his response was, why don't you wait and see? Yeah. Now, Lars is, <clears throat> Lars is a, a ham, and uh, he understands what these words mean to the fan base. Right. That we're going to overanalyze it all. Is he being honest? Is he having fun? Is it is it just being talked about but nowhere near being done? Mm-hmm. Is it actually being done under our noses? It's just too too much speculation. Right, yeah. We don't know. So uh, I believe that concludes the emo corner. I Am believe I correct? It, I believe it does. Doth I speak correctly? I mean, I guess if you want to enter it here, we can. Uh, I, mean, I guess we should just deal. put a marker in and just, you know, sing I mean, To be honest, uh, this is a good place to stop. <laughs> All right, cool. We're, we're going to take a quick break here, and we're going to come back and talk to our friend, your friend, all of our friends. Scream for ice cream. Metalliclaws himself. This is Metalliclaws himself, Mr. Chris Yerges. Hey, it's Clint from Metal Up Your Podcast, and we hope you're enjoying the Metal Tales from the Road series. If you've been keeping up with us, then you already know that we've covered every stop on the 2018-2019 North American Arena Tour, and we look forward to catching up with all of our European friends later this year on the Stadium Tour overseas. And there's more. After the Stadium Tour, we are continuing the Metal Tales series for any Metallica show in the past. Maybe you saw one of the Orion festivals. Maybe you were at the Channel in 1984 and Cliff Burton bought you a beer. Maybe you were at one of the 30th anniversary shows or you just saw a regular ass show in north dakota somewhere we want to hear from you since ethan and i started metal up your podcast we've wanted to find a way for listeners to call in and share their stories well this is it to make yourself eligible for a future or past metal tales episode please consider joining us on patreon for five dollars a month you not only get to come on the show as a guest you also get both of our Cover Our World Blackened EPs, monthly giveaways like deluxe box sets, rare vinyl, posters, and other goodies. You get early access to our YouTube videos, and we also let you ask our guests like Ray Burton, Michael Wagner, Hailstorm, members of Slipknot, your very own questions. For what essentially amounts to two cups of coffee a month, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast continues to grow in quality and content. For any of you on the ride with us, we love you, we thank you, peace, and adios. All right, so we're here with our friend Chris Yurgis. He's on the phone. Hello, Chris. Thank you for joining us. How's it going, guys? Very well. It's going good. Always good to hear from Chris. Now, for those of you who need a little palate cleanser on who Chris is, of course, Metalliclaws, he's been at our parties. Not only does he come to our parties, by the way, he's like our de facto tour manager at the parties. Yeah. Who's like keeping us on time and... Oh, yeah. At the, at the second part, second anniversary, anniversary party before the Nashville show, I mean, like, I I was running late I had rehearsal that day, and he was helping you get stuff set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not only that, but we'd be out on the back deck, like, having a beer with somebody, and he's like, all right, guys, five minutes, you're on stage. <laughs> <Totally. laughs> you were like our line producer, our tour manager, uh, and then also donated a bunch of cool gifts, a bunch yeah. of S&M-related gifts. Chris is known as an S&M cat, which was what makes it so special. He did the awesome uh, Metalla, Metalla Museum at our first uh, right. anniversary party. He's known as the Honey Badger on the forums. He famously met the boys in the Hardwired Experience and wore a Metal Up Your Podcast t-shirt. That's right. Thereby forcing Metallica to deal with the fact that we exist. That's right. <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> and, you know, Chris, I think it's fair to say that you're you're beloved by many in the inner circle of the Metallica fandom. So, you know, how does that feel to be part of that group? What is that like for you? Or is it just another day in paradise for Chris Yerges? Yeah, I mean, it just, it's just amazing. As you get more and more embedded into the core community, you know, like whether it's the Black Ticket group, 
from the North American tour or the, the forum group and their subgroups in the forum. Uh, there's just a lot of love that goes around and people look out for each other, uh, which is a great, a great feeling. I've had uh, multiple people look out for me too. You know, I had a guy on the forum that offered me a snake pit pass for Munich. Um, again, I've had a couple people help me with, uh, with picks for, from these S and M two shows, uh, that I wasn't able to get the, uh, when I was there. So, um, it's really, really cool community. You got people that look out for each other and, and are there for each other. A lot of people it's in cool. the Metallica community seem to pay it forward whenever they can. They really do. Which is pretty cool. I think it's one of the most unique things about this band. I mean, I haven't, I haven't experienced it. I don't know what it's like in some of the other bands that have really cult uh, followings and core fan groups, but I think it's one of the unique things about the Metallica family. So tell us, Chris, before we jump into the the activities of SNM two, what is it about S? What makes you a quote unquote SNM guy? What is it about that record for you? Why do you feel such an affinity towards it? Well, I mean, it was it was my onboard uh, to Metallica. So I think with anyone that that first record, that onboard record, always is going to hold a special spot to you, right? Yeah. No different than the loads with you, you know. Yeah, so for it's, Ethan, it's Saint Anger, of course. So. Of course, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I, it was it was my onboard uh, record. We, my mom and I, bought it for my stepdad as a Christmas present in 1999, and the first time I heard it, you know, it it just completely changed everything. I was already kind of queued up. Because uh, I was already into like Brian Setzer and the the big band type type music, so it's already got that rock and that orchestrational type elements in it. And, and when S and M hit, it was like, oh my god, where where has this been all my life? Yeah. And uh, it's that album I have probably listened to no less than once every other week for the last twenty years. It's awesome. Sometimes once a week. Um, it's it's one that album is one got me through homework and through school and engineering and like. Again, it's like it's my escape to get away. I've never gotten bored with that album because you can tune in to so many different elements when you listen to it um, and really hone in on different, whether it's orchestra- orchestrational elements, uh, individual uh, musical instruments, or whatever it is. You can you can tune in to so many different aspects of that album. It's just got so many layers to try and unravel, you know. Uh, it's just amazing. Absolutely. I'm with you on that. That record does not get old to me. I can listen to that anytime, start with any track. And uh, you're right. There's so many layers to it. You can kind of pinpoint little sounds that maybe you didn't notice before, especially if you got cans on Yeah, them. and the band was at a peak performance-wise. Yeah. You've got Michael Kamen, the wonderful orchestra, the different arrangements of the songs, James's wonderful singing, the recording's good, Bob Rock did a great job. The list goes on. And on. Uh, now, I remember when they announced us in M2, I'm curious, Chris, what your insight into this. I mean, it must have been March because I was making Elise's record. We were producing her record and very intensely focused on that, like doing something with that record, like listening to mixes or recording keys or something. And that my phone starts blowing up, probably from Chris. Yeah. That they had announced (laughs) SNM2. And I would consider myself uh, an insider into this world at this point. And I had no idea that was coming. Chris, did you know SNM2 was coming? I don't think anybody did. I think it was welcome secret. Now, I, basically, everybody was tuned in and was on the forums and was watching for the opening announcement to Chase Center. Like everybody kind of knew it was going to be Metallica. What we did not know is that it was going to be Metallica with the symphony again. Yeah, and I think that's what just added that that element. So I think I was on the on the road with Need to Breathe when that was all going down and our phones were blowing up. But I remember just like I couldn't con- really contain my excitement. 
and no one else in that camp really was like sharing that excitement with me because I had the same deal. It was like really hard to explain why I was freaking out. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, no, this is like the 20th anniversary. This is like historic and blah blah blah. And now, and that announcement was only one show at the time. Yeah, right. Yeah, they didn't even add the second show until the ticket fiasco. Well, and let's 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 carve out some of that just for a second too. So, the. Getting those tickets, and Chris, you 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 were well aware of this, and you can maybe walk us through some of this, was such a fiasco. I mean, the fiasco of night one tickets is why they added the second night for yeah. fifth members. So, Chris, can you can you break down quickly for us sort of the problem with the tickets of night one? Yeah. So, I think I think the biggest thing is like when for those that are legacy members, so those that were a paying member of the fan club for at least two years, which they don't do anymore. So, but I guess you get grandfathered in if you were a legacy member. Yeah. Yep. So, so they get, they get uh, like an hour early. They get, they get options. They got a small block of tickets that they hold for, for legacy that starts an hour early, but then their pre-sale codes are supposed to work for the non-legacy sale when that opens up. But for night one, that did not happen. There was a glitch. And the codes for legacy members were not working when the non-legacy pre-sale hit. So that was the first snafu. Then you add that this just had completely unprecedented demand. Like a day or two after uh, that club down the forum said, like this, the demand was beyond anything the Metallica camp has seen, like ever. So you add that on, and then whether or not there was bots or not, you know, probably will never know, but. It was just unbelievably how hard. Like, I, I still can't believe I was able to get one. I had to get one through the Chase credit card presale. Yeah. Um, and I was lucky. I mean, it was once you got in, it was like as soon as you saw one, you just grabbed it and bought it. For me, I got super lucky because it ended up being a floor ticket, and I didn't care the cost at the time. But do you care about the cost now? <laughs> yeah. Now that now that you're average, now that the invoice is coming in. Yeah. So I've gone back and reviewed. Yeah. It's I. It's because it's not just that. It's the merch and all the shirts and everything, you know, being, being a S&M cat, like I pretty much bought everything. But, yeah. I, but so. I will say, I will say this, we kind of adopted this mentality while we were in Japan because we were trying to be frugal and smart because we're sure. both smart people and, you know, money's not like an endless fountain for us. But there did come a point in Japan where we were like, Fuck it, we're in Japan, dude. Yeah, what, just I'll, get the t-shirt. Just get it. Yeah, are, are we going to be back here ever again? Maybe. So maybe I got to imagine, Chris. You know that you reach a point where you're like, dude, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity with this band. I'm just going to have fun and deal with it later. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. So, but anyways, yeah, a couple weeks later, um, you know, they came out with the night two deal, and there was a, it was basically a lottery system for fifth members to do it to to get a guaranteed opportunity to buy tickets. Um, again, legacy had a, a one up on the non-legacy. Um, you know, there's obviously debates that happen on the forum about, about that or not. It, 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 I don't mind it. I don't, I don't care to, um, either way, but just being in the doors was important enough. And, and then that basically sold out and, and yeah. So let me ask was... you, let me ask you this, Chris, and this, I'll also open this question to Ethan. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I feel I'm like I'm on real time to. with Bill Maher. I'd like to open this to both our guest and the panel. Um, <laughs> the whole deal of adding the second night and Metallica, the camp coming out saying, we had no idea there would be this response, that people would want to come from all over the world. When they say that, is that just kind of good old-fashioned classic humility? Are they being disingenuous? Do you really think they didn't know that a 20th anniversary S&M gig was not going to be one of the biggest gigs of their career? What do you think about that, Chris? I mean, I, I think they would have had to have some 
inkling. I mean, the, that live album sold eight million copies. I mean, wow. that's yeah. That 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 is not a a drop in the bucket as far as album sales. You know, for a live album, that is amazing. So, I, I think there had been some sort of awareness, but I don't know. I think at this stage in their career, uh, it seems like they they're just more in tune with. They don't take things for granted per se. Sure. And I think it caught them a little, I, I still think it caught them a little, a little off guard that it ended up being when it ended up being, I think they assumed it would be high demand in the States and San Francisco. And yeah, you're going to get some people from, from, you know, especially the South American, South America uh, folks, cause they're really intense. And a few people from Europe, I don't think they anticipated the complete worldwide demand yeah. that this yeah. show ended up having i mean i know people that came from egypt and south korea absolutely and, it's crazy i mean it was just unbelievable the amount of people that wanted to you be say here. that it sold eight million records that's five million more than chris Gaines' debut record that's right fun <laughs> fact and i know chris can appreciate that joke because chris is actually a country music fan were you were you into the chris Gaines garth brooks thing chris a little bit you know my taste and country were a little bit more old school i think garth you know, Garth and like Shania, like they kind of started the transition a little bit. I still kind of consider Garth more the the old school country area, but but he's part of that era in the '90s where stuff started transitioning a little bit more poppy. Mm-hmm. And um, that's you know, I've been off the country train a little bit because I don't I don't like the poppy stuff. I like right. more of the old school. You know, the Marty Stewart and mm-hmm. uh, Vince Gill. And my friend Jed Hughes is currently touring, playing guitar for Vince Gill. Wow! And Vince Gill loves his guitar playing, obviously enough to have him play with him. Vince yeah. Gill, by the way, one of the greatest guitar players ever. And he likes Jed's solo records that he puts out so much that Jed is opening the wow. Vince Gill shows and then playing with him. And he just got a huge spread in Vintage Guitar Magazine. Wait, so he's opening and playing with Vince. Yeah, that's awesome. Isn't that amazing? Double duty, man. That's great. Like, dude. What a gig! That'd be like Kirk Hammett being like, "Dude, I love the way you play. Come play with me on my in the wedding band, and then also uh, I want you to open up and play all your sad, scary spider songs yeah. and your lunar Satan <laughs> shit." <laughs> all right, so Chris, walk us through because you you're the kind of guy that puts a lot of TLC into what you do. Any of those of us who know you know that you do that. When you came to our to your party, you'd made these great signs that said "Welcome to New Jersey." They had <laughs> <Yeah>. our logo. <laughs> you had shit laminated and pressed, and you're a fastidious cat. So, tell us you a little bit. You can tell I'm an engineer, right? <laughs> exactly. Very methodical. So, tell us about the tuxedo that you wore. Yeah. So, I mean, it was it was almost once I got tickets locked down, and then the night two thing happened, and I was able to make some arrangements with work because. Now, you guys know I'm a, I'm a race engineer on a NASCAR team, so I'm pretty much gone every weekend, you know? So it's like, ah, how am I going to make this work? And, you know, Indy this weekend, uh, Indy was racing that weekend. I knew it was a Saturday, Sunday show. So it's like, okay, well, Friday's fine. Can I get back to Indy? You know, how quick can I get back to Indy? And then the night two got announced, and I was like, I had to go to my crew chief. and like, here, listen here. <laughs> Here's what's going on. I am going to be here one way or another. I don't care what it costs me for fill-ins or whatnot. I, I got to be there. Were you willing to quit your and job? He, were you willing to quit your job uh, if it came to that? It was it it, it, it was pretty borderline. You like know, if they, if there's they a lot said of challenges if, going on in NASCAR world right now to begin with. So, yeah. but but it. But it if your crew right chief there. said, if your crew chief said, uh, "I'm sorry, no exceptions. You have to be here. And if, and if you're not, then we're gonna you're, you're gonna leave your job." Would you have still gone to Metallica? That's tough, man. I for this and given given the current state of affairs in NASCAR and I've kind of already kind of got one 
you know, tippy toe out. I, it it might have been enough to force me to to jump. Let's hope your pit boss doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> yeah. But but he was understanding. Like, he understood that this was not one, especially when I explained everything to him. This was not a normal show. This wasn't trying to skip out for a normal show. This was a once in a lifetime experience. I've never missed a race for a wedding, a funeral, you know, anything that a lot of people do miss races for and teams work with. I, I've never missed a race. And what we came to agreement was, is I still was going to work, work the weekend from remotely from San Francisco. So the, the move, the move on that to really sell it to your boss is to show up, to ask for that day off wearing the tuxedo. Exactly. Cause then, yeah. <laughs> then he can clearly see the amount of dedication that went into it. All right. So tell us about the tuxedo. Yep. So, so pretty much all that all happened. I knew, I knew I was going to have to wear something special and, Having already owned an OG tuxedo T-shirt from the Berkeley shows, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. There was, it was just instant. I needed to make a tuxedo, an actual tuxedo, of the tuxedo T-shirt from the Berkeley shows. No question. Um, Amazing. And so, so that's basically what I did. I set out and did. I found, uh, I found a custom tuxedo maker through I Taylor that was reasonably on cost. And uh, I could get really close on the style and the color scheme. And I knew I'd still have to make some alterations, but, but I, I could get it really close. So uh, I think it was in June. I put in the order for that. It was about six weeks to get it. So it wasn't until like the first week of August that I got it. But the furly shirt I found on Amazon, took that to an alteration shop to get the buttons. You know, the buttons were white on that one, but the shirt was black. So I got the buttons changed out. Um, got cufflinks put in. I got some skull and cuff, crossbone cufflinks because that's what Kirk wore on night one or uh, the Berkeley shows. Um, See, sometimes it pays not to take your medication, kids. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Just everything I could do to match that shirt, all the, all the alterations, the buttons, even the stitching on the two buttons on the on the tux jacket was matched to the t-shirt. And then uh, I went and you know the the whole back design. I was like, well, I got to recreate this. And there's a ninja star. And I was like, well, I can't use the, the 90s Ninja Star. So then I went and I created my own version of the Ninja Star with the Glitch M. And I had a couple even polls in the forum and, and found one that, that everybody really liked and I liked. And that's the one I used and made the design. And uh, through through contacts and, and friends and stuff like that, found a, found a guy that could heat press it out. Um, so basically they cut it out of vinyl, a special type of vinyl that heat presses to the fabric. And uh, originally we were going to have to do it to another piece of fabric and graft it into the jacket because with the lining of the jacket they didn't know if they could do it without getting wrinkles but after they did the test pressing uh then they thought well we could probably do it directly on the jacket and that's what we ended up doing and everything just came out spectacular and was a complete hit the tuxedo shoes i put little ninja stars on even the bow tie had the ninja star on uh, the shoes were probably i was surprised the shoes were probably the biggest hit like people would see the outfit look over everything and then they would see the shoes and they're like oh my god uh, i had one guy night two that wanted to take a picture with me when he saw the shoes he looked to his i guess fiance i was like can i have that for my wedding <laughs> <laughs> and she was like yes so i was like it was pretty incredible i mean it was just a decal on the shoe but i think people thought it was like embedded in the shoe like how'd you get that made how'd you wow. do it and i was like I think Metallica's but, yeah. I think Metallica's missed a huge opportunity to officially sell this tuxedo at SNM two. Of course give <laughs> yeah, you no give you a cut of it. 
We're, we're going to make a little scratch. Everyone can wear a nice tuxedo. Yeah, Maybe the whole orchestra could have worn this. Oh, my gosh. Oh, shit. It's funny because, as we'll, we'll get into, there's people that actually mistaken me for being in the symphony. <laughs> That's a whole other story. Please tell me you just rolled with that, too. <laughs> oh, my I God. Would. Are you in the symphony? Yep. Um, I, I yes. should have. It would have been fun. <laughs> yep. I'm a, I'm a second chair oboe. Yeah. What do you play? Let me guess. Bassoon? Yeah. I yes. play the bassoon. Of course. I play the triangle. Like, the stream team band on the forum, I played the little triangle there you go you know what's the instrument that on one of these episodes oh was it an oboe that you kept doing a muted trumpet or something i'm like dude that's not what a fucking oboe sounds like (laughs) (laughs) it's the first thing that came out of my mouth okay so now many people may know many people may not know another cool thing about these gigs is the pre-party vibe so tell us about thursday and what what you getting into town the pre-party sit meeting up with other uh, Met Club members and other Metal Up Your Podcast fam people. So uh, I had a direct flight to the SFO. We we had an Airbnb in Oakland, so Oakland would have been easier to fly into, but I would have had to connect in Phoenix, and I was like, I don't want to do that. Just give me a direct flight. So did that. Um, I was staying with a buddy of mine from Colorado, the Colorado chapter, and Alex was on the forum, and, and Johnny, who um, was in my hardware group in Charlotte. That's where I met him the first time. He's from South Carolina. So we had kind of a, a group from several different states staying at our at our airbnb awesome um there was enter night was doing their normal pre-parties that they've been doing pre-shows um that really kind of took off in the european leg that's the beer stuff yeah. that's the beer yeah they've been doing it in conjunction with blacken so okay um the two the dietrich guy and was it greg uh i think it's greg from from enter night have been going to these um these pre-parties but then you know, before these were even announced, there was going to be some fan pre-parties. So um, actually a buddy of mine in Colorado helps up the one for Tommy's joint, which was just going to be a hangout. It's just like, hey, we're all going to go to Tommy's. And then uh, the big one was the night between party that uh, Russell Wilson put together at uh, they actually ended up having the demand for that one was so great. They ended up deciding to have to change the venues um, and I'm doing that one at the chapel on Saturday. But so, yeah, Thursday. uh I, I ended up skipping out on going to Connecticut Yankee where the inner night one was um, just because I, I only had the energy. I was like, I, I can only do one pre-party. I don't think I can double up on this. So um, got to Tommy's around eight and it was already, it was already getting pretty full. And within an hour or two, it was jam packed and it was so much fun because you had all the black tickets. Like a lot of people haven't seen each other since Grand Rapids, mm-hmm. or you know, for me it was it was uh, Raleigh was my last show. So, uh, you know, people haven't seen each other in like six months. But so, you saw you got to see some of these people in Munich, right? Uh, there's a few people. There's a few people that were in Munich that were at this too. Stewart, who's from a couple of comes from the UK cats, right? Um, we're we're at the Munich show, um, and then we're at Tommy's. So. So that was pretty cool. Um, just everybody catching up, you know, you could, it's like, you got two minutes talking with somebody and then you'd see somebody else. And then you, you know, you just jumping around, you like, you couldn't you almost couldn't sit down for more than more than two minutes at a time before there's somebody else. How often did people ask about me and Ethan? Be, yeah. uh, be, honest. be honest. How often? That's what uh, I thought. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where I met Anya for the first time, uh, which is pretty, pretty cool. Cause uh, Ethan, you just had, uh, drinks with her in London. Yep, yeah, met up with her in London. Um, yeah, she's a sweetheart. So she she came up to me. Uh, she recognized me. You know, I I never had met her before. Actually, I recognized the name, and uh, so I got to meet her, which was nice. And yeah, just uh, eventually the Sarah Van showed up. 
and uh, just so many people, just everybody. It was just unbelievably crazy. The place was packed. You could barely walk around. There's a couple hour span. You could barely walk around the damn place. The Saravan like to be fashionably late. Yeah, they do. That's, yeah. that's one of their moves. <laughs> that's like a power well, move. They gotta make they gotta make a special entrance. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's nice. Well, they deserve it. Lights go dim. <laughs> intro music starts. <laughs> gold. Get, get some cryo going. Well, and what was the cool thing too is there's people that knew. I knew through the forum or people that listen to this show that had never met Sarah before. Mm-hmm. So I was able to bridge some connections and meet people. And I, I probably met more of the forum people than some other folks. So I was like, okay, well that's, that's so-and-so that's so-and-so that's so-and-so and just kind of bridge connections and help people meet people. And it was, it was just so much fun. As the night wound down, you have here that it kind of started to wind down around 11. You split at 1230. Did you happen to eat MetFam Mike's burrito? I did not. He was there. And uh, I made sure I stayed far away from from his food and drink. I didn't want to add any temptations. You know? Stay away from his burrito, everybody. Clint Clint learned his lesson. Hey man, you know Met Fan Mike? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that guy. Uh, you ate his burrito last night. What? What? I did. Are you sure? Oh yeah, yeah. Pretty sure. I'll never forget that. That was so good. All right, so cool. I mean, that sounds so fun, dude. I mean, think about this. You know, for those of us who weren't be there, and again, I'm opening this up to you, Ethan, my oh, co-host oh, hey, here. I'm here. Uh, Chris got to live it, but for me to think about how exciting it must be, you know, the shows are going to go down. You know, that's part's going to be the shit. Yeah. Think about how fun this party must be, knowing all this is ahead of you. I know. With Chris, he knows he's got this dope fucking tuxedo to wear. It's going to be a big hit. The anticipation of what the boys are going to play, who else you're going to see. Mm-hmm. I mean. I'm already what an ex- just a super exciting weekend. Just yeah, every day something new is happening. You have the in between party, all that stuff. I'm insanely jealous already, and we and we're not even at the. I'm insane. Notes. I'm insane already in the membrane. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Chris, rock us into Friday, man. So uh, you know, I actually got back here and be late. So I slept in as much as I could, uh, just because I knew it was going to be be a late night, like a hibernating bear. Yep, and then. Uh, yeah, once we woke up, I think the first thing we we're all kind of looking forward to was like, what, what what's the poster's going to be? Like, I'm kind of embedded in the poster community too, uh, big into that. So everybody's kind of like, wow, what's the poster going to be? Well, first we see this tie-dye poster, and I, I don't know if Squindo did it or someone else did it, but I was like, ah, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent into that poster. And then about an hour later, the actual show poster uh, ended up popping up on Instagram, and that one. Um, it was by Wolf Skull Jack. Is the, I think her name's actually Michelle. Um, that one was fantastic. So it's, you know, it's kind of got all the, all four of the guys, you know, as kind of like skeletons, all you know, you know Lars with drumsticks was, and he was conducting. The the and I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it was really, really cool. So I was like, okay, okay, this one I can get behind. So when that one originally, I was like, it, when I saw the tie dye version, I was like, eh, maybe I don't need to get down to the, get down to the arena early to get in line to get the poster. But then when the other one hits, like, okay, we got to get out the door. <laughs> Let's go, so, go, go. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. So I got got the tux on. I actually had a small little um, wardrobe malfunction, but me being prepared, I had a sewing kit, and uh, there was a button I was able to get uh, sewed back on that, that had popped off, um, and I was able to reinforce the other buttons that I needed to just to make sure I didn't have any issues. I was and... hoping for a more scandalous wardrobe <laughs> malfunction. Yeah. Here. The whole butt fell out, yeah. and the whole penis area <laughs> fell out, and that's how I went to the show. Whoops! Everyone saw my bell end. <laughs> okay, cool. So it says here on the on the train. So this is when people are starting to think you're in the you're in New York. Yeah. Show, right? So 
from where we had to do, we had to take an Uber about seven minutes to get to the BART station, and then BART takes us across the bay, and then from there we get on Muni, which is the light rail to get down to the arena. So it was about an hour or so um, to get down there. Uh, my buddy Alex from Atlanta was with me. So we get down there, we get to the BART station, and we're going down the escalator, and somebody, some girl sees, sees my whole tux outfit, and was you know are you here for you know for the show and symphony blah 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 and then at the end she's like well good good luck tonight and I'm like I'm not I'm not playing that's when you say thank you <laughs> maybe she meant good luck maybe she meant good luck not having another button pop out or your butt fall out yeah <laughs> hey let me ask you this too so your friend your buddy Alex is traveling with you he's just dressed normal right yes yes he is he is normal because he probably yes. looked he probably looks so weird next to you all dimed yeah. out you know well what was even even kind of funnier is is Sunday, night two, um, at the 19th Street in Oakland BART station. Right there, there was uh, also Oakland uh, Gay Pride going on. So Congratulations for through, you, Chris. Thank you, yeah, okay. Strolling through, strolling through that area with a tuxedo was, uh, <laughs> was quite interesting. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, buddy. probably quite the opposite of what you normally see at a Pride parade. Or a pride festival. Usually, it's minimal clothing. Well, I don't know too, though. But like, I could see, I could see that fitting in at a pride parade too, though, just because it's so loud. Yeah, it, it, you're right. It's true. I'm, I'm guessing they thought you were part of the parade, Chris. I I had an Uber driver that was wondering if I was going to the festivities there. I was like, no, no, no. I'm going. I'm going to the concert. Hey, let me tell you this. It's happened a few times in my life. I'm not afraid to admit it. I've been hit on by a few gay guys, and to be considered. Worthy of their uh, affection, yep, made me feel very good about myself. Uh, I, I've told my wife that too. Whenever I've been flirted with by a gay man, uh, I am beyond flattered. You know how we joke? more than a, if a female. Oh, absolutely, because yeah, of course they like me. Of course they do. Uh, <laughs> no, but you know how we joke about uh, your Joyce's character who has a dog named Valentino. Right. A guy once was playing a cover band in Birmingham, and he came in. He said, "Hi, I'm Valentino. Business for real." And I just have to say. You have the most beautiful eyes I have ever seen. Wow! I was like, man, Valentino, your heart must have fluttered. I, I'm not, I'm not into that that way. But God damn it, I needed to hear that. Thank you, thank you so much for <laughs> saying that. All right, sorry, Chris. Did you, hey, I blame you, Chris. You brought up the gay pride parade, okay? Which, by the way, my wife and I go marching the Nashville one every year. It's really, it's I, super fun. I went a couple so, years ago. Yeah, it's so chill here because you just walk around Broadway one time. Yeah. And then you get to just eat and have fun. Oh, yeah. It's not like a, because I'm too lazy to, like, I want to support gay pride. How long is it? They're like, oh, it's like a two and a half mile watch. I'm like, ooh, I'll just send a donation. I'll meet you at the end. I'll see you later. (laughs) All right. So, what's next, Chris? Yeah. So, uh, we get to the Muni train. So, Chase Center had something cool. So, you'd have to pay to use the Muni to get down to the arena. It was basically included with your ticket. And, And I will say, for a first time, you know, the venue, with transportation, getting to and even leaving the arena was actually way better than I thought it was going to be. You'd think first time show. Yeah, it's good to hear that they figured that out. It it was, you know, I'm sure there's still kinks that they needed to figure out, but but it was super easy to get down there and, and get out. So super. Um, so, so we get on the Muni, and there's this guy in a we'll call it a suit, not a full on tux, but we'll just call it a suit, and he's got. Uh, a case with him that was pretty obvious that it was an instrument case. And this is the Muni line that's going down to the arena. I was like, huh, what if this guy's playing in the symphony? But given what just happened to me on the bird station, I didn't want to go like be the guy to go up to this guy. I was like, hey, are you playing in the symphony? So you asked him wrong. if he was in the pride parade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was talking, I was talking with my buddy and 
uh, at one point I turned my head quick and I caught the guy taking a picture of the back of my tux. And I was like, uh. busted. So, uh, so then I ended up asking him and it turned out he was a trumpet player in the symphony and we got talking with him and, uh, we were respectful. We didn't go, you know, asking for set lists or what was going on or all that, but turned out, uh, the guy's mom does PR for, for the symphony, which is why he kind of took the picture and, um, just kind of talked a little bit about what they've been through, you know, um, he, he, he didn't even fully realize the grasp of how big this was in the Metallica community and how, how many people were coming in from all over the world. So that was kind of cool to kind of share that with him a little bit. And uh, yeah, I don't know if you know this yet, Chris, but we actually are, I've been talking to Scott who was the cellist who did the anesthesia oh, perfect. Yeah, and he's yeah. actually going to come on and sort of <clears throat> everything that you would want to ask that trumpet player. We're going to be able to ask Scott. So, <laughs> you know, I can't wait to hear about it. I, I feel that. bad. I can't, I can't, I can't remember his name, unfortunately, but, um, but yeah, it was, uh, so that was, that was kind of cool. I kind of have that on the way down there. So we'll, we'll ask Scott for you to ask the trumpet player. A hey, question. we have this friend. He's a mega <laughs> jerk who couldn't remember the trumpet player's name, but he so. wants to know uh, what his, his mom's does PR and you know, <laughs> So yeah, we get down there and uh, I feel about like one one thirty two o'clock. And so we thought, you know, cause merch typically doesn't open until three, four hours before the show. Um, we get down there and on our way down there through Instagram and through other friends, merch is open. It's like, ah, crap. And we get down there and there's already like a line that's like 30, 35 yards long. I was like, okay, well, well, we'll get in line here. So we do that. Um, I end up seeing Wayne Summers and a few other people. Wayne's a friend of the show, yes, mm -hmm. yes, yes. We get, uh, we probably make our way about a third of the way to the tent, and we find out that the posters are sold out. So That part of going to shows is so stressful when you yeah. like, want to get the shirt or the poster. You've you got to no get idea. there early, you got to wait in fucking line, all that stuff. Now, I'll give Metallica credit. Most of the shirts, they were able to pre-order prior to the show and they're they're shipping them yeah i saw they, that they're, on they're them. so that's cool so that helped Smart. a lot and that took a lot of anxiety out you know other bands like food fighters that i went and saw you could pre-order stuff and basically just show up to the pop-up store and show them your ticket your receipt and they they have it already bagged up and ready for you so that's cool um i think bands are getting better with that because i think they sell they end up selling more merch when they can do those type of things um because there's people that just won't buy because they don't want to have do the deal with the hassle but so anyways, uh, the lines hadn't really formed yet at the, at the entrance there. So we just basically decided, hey, let's just get in line. We'll be in front. We'll get up to the merch inside. You know, we already knew what portals the merch was going to be at inside. We knew the portal, sire. <laughs> Pleases me to find out the portal of the merchandising. I tapped the mortal coil and found the portals. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. You said portals, man. Portals did it for That's me. That's a good word. <laughs> That's that's the way they label their uh, their entrances into the seated area. So from the lobby and the walk. Should we call it entrances or exits? No, we shall call them portals. Portals. <laughs> it, it does it not make sense in the tech capital of the world that that they call it portals, right? I guess so. Yeah. Bring down the firewall and allow them into the portal. Make sure thine Wi-Fi has encrypted passwords. Yes. Put them in the Iron Maiden. <laughs> Iron Maiden. <laughs> oh shit! I could do this forever. We got to stay on track yep. here. Stay on target. So there was kind of the same poster fiasco, right? That happened in Nashville. Basically, yeah, we saw this dude. He kept bringing a couple times. He was bringing posters out from from inside the arena and bring them outside. So like in Nashville, 
they basically just kept doing that and they ended up selling out of posters just from the outside merch right so a couple of us was like went up to the dude i mean i did specifically i was like hey here's what happened you have people that got out of line because they sold out are now first in line up up at the doors and you're bringing out posters like you're, you're kind of screwing these yeah people, if there are know? more it's not sold out right yeah and there's and it's you know you're, there's 670 posters for an 18,000 seat venue right. like there's there's not a whole lot to go around so so the guy kind of understood we, we caught him one more time that he was bringing posters out so if you were in the line at the right time and up front you know you, you're able to get a poster beforehand but so we were all a little bit nervous with with that going on but um we felt still fairly confident that we were able to get posters inside. So plus, you're having fun because people are getting a kick out of your tux. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you keep seeing people. You know, even the people you just saw them the night before, but they haven't seen you with the tux. So you know, everyone's wanting to take pictures, and I got random people trying to wanting to take pictures, and um, it, it, that was a lot of fun. And then at one point, the uh, some of the camera crew comes out. So kind of like SNM one, where they filmed some of the crew or some of the people, the fans outside. They they did the same sort Dude, of thing. You are definitely going to be in the film. You for you for yeah. sure. I would hope so. So I mean, I went up to them. I show. I mean, showed the picture of the OG T-shirt, and uh, so yeah, they filmed me just a little little quick little blurb. Um, they were going around, kind of interviewing people a little bit, and then they would like run down run down the line of the like, the, the front of the lines that were forming. There's about 20 lines, I would say, to to kind of enter the venue. You know, and everybody was like cheering and going crazy, and um, so that was a lot of fun doing all that everybody you know just trying to get in on the movie you know so yeah um so yeah you're just trying to kill time get, uh, doors weren't gonna open until 6 30 so i mean you had you know we had a good four hours to kill um prior to this i already had plans so um i was texting with with molly torben's wife and and I, we had plans to try and try and make a connection um and at one point she said she had something for me. So, you know, the thoughts were racing through your head. Oh man, I can only imagine what they have. You so know? for some quick context for that, for those who might not be keeping up or who might be new to the show, Chris at the All Within My Hands gig, the charity gig, they had an auction. One of the things they were auctioning off was dinner with Torben and Molly. Yeah. Chris won that auction, generously invited you or I to go to be his plus one. We couldn't do it because of work, but Chris got to go and have dinner with them. So yeah. As I'm sure happened, because Chris is such a charming individual, <laughs> they became buddies and hit it off. So now Molly's right. texting Chris saying, I have a gift for you. Ooh, it's Torben. Imagine that. Imagine I'm going to give you Torben. Imagine Lars's stepmom texting you and saying, I have a portalless gift for thine. Please Lars find it in the portal. <laughs> Meet me at the Southern Gate portal. <laughs> for the incense and myrrh. <laughs> okay, so that's exciting. So you don't know what it is, yep. Chris, but you just know that you got some more fun shit coming your way. Yep, exactly. I was just keeping her updated, finding out when they were going to be there, you know, letting her know that, hey, I still stop by merch, but I'll let you know as soon as I'm down on the floor. You know, just kind of touching base a little bit. Mm -hmm. So uh, finally, it's time for doors to open. Um, security, I will say, was a little disorganized. Um, but for a first time, not that bad. I mean, I still, I, I made it through the metal detector fine, but I still got wanded, so it kind of delayed me getting up the doors. Well, um, show us on the doll where they put the wand. <laughs> yeah, where, exactly. Where'd the wand go? <laughs> um, and they made big improvements for night two. I'll, I'll give them credit. Their their agility to make adjustments just, just in two days, the way they did, they, 
kudos to the the staff at the venue. They they really were going out of their way to make things work and give a good experience to everybody. But anyways, I was a little bit delayed, so I was like, uh, you went up the escalator to the the main floor of the arena, and there was a merch booth, a big one, right there. And so I just jumped in line there. I was about 50th in line. Um, turns out there's another merch a little bit further down that the line was less. And then there's some way up on like the sixth floor. But got in there. I was able to – there's a couple shirts that weren't available for pre-order. I was able to get – I was able to get my coveted posters. So anxiety was down. Stress level was down. I got my night one poster. Everything was right in the world from that moment on. It was like, okay – everything's good you can kind of finally relax when you've procured your right your shit that you wanted yeah so well, especially and you're big in the posters you know that the the artist ap sale that's going to come later is going to be crazy mm-hmm. which just just happened yesterday for the snm they sold out in like 20 seconds wow um you know it's like you got to get that poster you know, once once you have that in hand you know because you got the flip bears there's um there's one guy this was before they put the one poster limit in. Um, he he was there early. He's a known poster flipper. He bought sixteen posters. Oh come on! What a nine dick. of one. Come on. And and seven of the other one. And they're on that. I mean, people were giving him crap too. And like That's apparently, so like the the merch person didn't know they could do it and was on the phone like trying to get approval. And the guy was like pushing to get get his credit card swung. And was able to get everything pushed through before they got an answer back that it was supposed to be one per person. What a jerk, um, man. I don't like so that, dude. People were pissed. And it, people just don't like the eBay flippers to begin with. So. I don't like any eBay flipper anytime. I mean, I, even shows I, I would do you know, with Kings and stuff, you'd see guys kind of chilling out by the buses to get an autograph. And they had stacks of stuff. Same thing happens on Record Store Day. You see guys that go buy like one of every record store they release and you see him literally in their cars taking pictures of it and, and putting it on ebay it's like you motherfucker i know it's lame yeah nascar world's kind of bad with that too actually kevin harvick i think just came out and said he's only going to sign for kids now because awesome uh there's there's people that are flipping that are you know people have binders full of stuff that they're trying to get him to sign now that flipper's like, like honey we got to have a kid <laughs> send him in just yeah. so we can flip yeah. shit uh, they'll, they'll try and rent a kid yeah. <laughs> hey they can rent mine depending on <laughs> well, what are we, how, how much money are we talking about here? Hang yeah, on a second. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So, so yeah, get down. I get down to the floor. Um, get, and this is my first look at seeing the stage setup. So we all we all kind of knew it was going to be in the round, but but didn't have much detail there. That had to be so exciting the, though to see that the, all those chairs set up. That I'm sure the, the, the oh, you, you yeah. had a, as they say all the feels as you walk down there. Yeah. No. I mean, you you, you had goosebumps getting in there. It's like you see all the symphony arrangement in the round. Um, on the stage, they had four circular rings above the stage that depending upon your perspective, you know, they were offset from each other, but depending upon your perspective, it almost looked like a chandelier almost. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really cool. So I basically, you know, I did, I found my seat, kind of did a couple laps, um, walking around, just kind of taking everything in. Um, ran into Jimmy, largest tech, uh, talked to him some, I talked to him and he was at the Munich pre-party and I saw him at the Munich show and, you know, so just talked with him again, um, talked to Chad briefly, as you guys know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, just kind of taking everything in and, and waiting for, for Molly to text me. So. Is that a drug reference, by the way, or are we talking about Corbin's <laughs> wife, Molly? Yeah. Corbin's wife. Just waiting to get Just a hold. waiting for Molly, bro. Waiting to get a hold of some Molly before the shit starts. Just waiting for Molly to kick in, bro. 
the one the one symphony player I was really hoping to meet, I ended up not being able to, but it was the harp player because it's the same harp player from the original Berkeley shows right. that's still in the symphony. Wow. Um, unfortunately, where the harp was set up was kind of not quite opposite of where I was sitting, and I was trying to keep an eye, but he ended up coming out pretty pretty late um, before the band came out, so I, I just didn't get an opportunity to go say hi. But I, that was like the one person that was like, I knew he was still in the symphony. And as, anyways, obviously he had a little bit of a cult because he was known as the the buff guy with the tattoos who plays the harp, hmm. um, from the S and M documentary. But that's funny because that's kind of what I'm known for too. The, the buff guy that plays <laughs> the, the harp. Well, the buff guy with tattoos that plays with the harp. tattoos. Yeah. yeah, that's me. So uh, yeah, eventually uh, Molly texts me and I meet up her uh, meet up with her uh, in section seventeen, and um, what she had for me was really cool it ended up being a violin string from the original Berkeley shows. Unbelievable. The, uh, the story is her and Torben were kind of waiting in the, in the hallway after the shows at Berkeley and the orchestra's coming off stage and her hair got caught in one of the violins and they had to basically cut her, cut it out to, to get her free. And she still had the string, uh, from that. Hmm. And, and that's what she gave me. So that's pretty it, cool. Yeah, you know, the story behind it's cool, but then just to have a violin string that was played on the Berkeley shows was like, oh my god! Another cool thing to add to your collection. Really cool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And some oh. and some of Molly's hair as well. <laughs> a locket of hair that you procured through the portal. I need pleases me to make my potion. Yes. What I need is eye of sparrow, wart of toad. And hair of Molly, yes, please. <laughs> I like your your pause. What of toad? Well, I almost said newt. I need the eye of a newt. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, well that's super cool. So 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 what you know you accept that gift? Is it just a quick little hug? I mean that's got to be an emotional thing. Yeah. But you're also at this big yeah. show. There's a million people around. How do you how do you break away from that encounter to go to your seat? You know. Yeah, I mean, that was just a, it was a little five-minute encounter. Um, Torben was still backstage. She was telling me, like, Torben was, like, trying to figure out how he could walk around the arena. As, Tor- as you imagine, Torben would. I want to walk around the arena. To try, try to find where the best audio is and all that. You where know? is the it best audio? Very, very Torben-esque. Why didn't he just hover around on his carpet? <laughs> Dude, that's what his magic carpet's for. <laughs> he didn't bring <laughs> it with him? perfect for arenas. He must have left it at home. Hi. Uh, nice to see you down there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um... So yeah, after that, you know, obviously I thanked her and everything, and and she went back backstage, and went back towards my seat, and uh, ended up uh, had a few other people that kind of hollered down to me that recognized me, uh, some that recognized me through through this podcast, some to the forum, and met um, some people from Wisconsin, which was kind of cool, and just yeah, just really really cool vibe down there. Um, like I said, the the stage layout was pretty cool. So Big Mick was actually up. He was not on the four level. Hmm. He was up at the top of the lower bowl, which is quite interesting. That's kind of a different setup for them. But that possibly the, the mix actually ended up sounding pretty good. So I, I don't know if that helped with that or not. Um, on the short side, uh, the narrow side of the arena is where the techs were. So you had Chad and Zach on one side and Jimmy and Justin on the other side. And then on the long ends of the of the floor, uh, one end you had, I think it actually kind of both ends, but one end you had a really large boom camera. And then on the, the, the end that I was on, there was a 
kind of a smaller type boom camera that was going on. And then in the corners of the, so they basically had a square in the middle of the floor with a circular riser above that. Now that circular riser that everybody was on would, would rotate throughout the show. Okay. But on the square part, cool. they had cameras. They were like, like robotic cameras that could move that were kind of low profile. Um, so that was pretty cool. Largest drum kit was aligned directly with the conductor uh, stand so they could stay in tune with each other. But the orchestra was laid out around the outer ring of the stage. So the people on the back side to Lars's back, which was the percussion side, really couldn't see the conductor very good. So the solution they had was quite interesting. They had these small little, like I'd say four inch by six inch video monitors at each of the percussion stations. And those were showing the conductor. So they had a camera that was low profile that was up showing the conductor oh, cool. and videoing that on these little screens so each of the percussionists could see the conductor. Right. I thought that was a really cool kind of solution that mm-hmm. they did for that. That's smart. So let's see. Yeah. Um, got seated. Um, I was a third. I was, so I was fourth row, uh, third seat in. The two people that were supposed to be next to me, like, weren't showing up, weren't showing up, weren't showing up. I was like, ooh, maybe, maybe they won't show up and I'll get to be on the aisle. And, you know, I like to let, as you guys know, I like to let loose a little bit at shows. Mm-hmm. So... It's a thing you know, to behold. Uh, Chris, yeah, Chris I mean, you're just in the wild. Yeah, letting loose. Because uh, <laughs> I remember, I think it was the Nashville show where we all hung back. Yep. And uh, right. Chris was wearing like a bright red turtleneck or something. <laughs> and the battle vest. So you could just see him like literally, like him and Wayne Summers just like hopping around. Like, there's Chris. Look, there's Wayne. Whoop, cheap, yep. whoop. Imagine your uncle when he, he drinks a little too much at your, at your wedding. <laughs> yeah. That's Wayne and, Wayne and Chris. So that's cool. I don't so you need alcohol to become that way. So. Yeah, yeah. So you were you were sort of concerned about needing some space to 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 get nutty. Uh, oh, absolutely. Say. Well, and it's night one. It's a mixed crowd. You don't know who's going to be next to you. Are right. they are they symphony fans? Are they just warrior fans? Are they, are they Metallica fans? Right, they may totally. not un- understand. You know. So, uh, so I was hoping that maybe they wouldn't show up or something. You know, something, or I could I could switch around. Eventually, they did show up. Um, I offered to. It was it was this really attractive women and her boyfriend and uh, I kind of offered to move around. I was like, you know, Hey, I, I, I do kind of like to let loose a little bit. You offered him some Molly. Yeah. You guys look well. Apparently. Uh, <laughs> she, uh, they ended up declining my offer, but it turned out she liked to rock out quite a bit too. So that was kind of fun before she got, uh, she got a little too much drink in her. We'll say um, <laughs> she got a little sloppy drunk towards the end of the show. Why are they playing her Sandman yet? Like Clint Wells at the first Metal Up Your Podcast party, <laughs> or Clint Wells at the Eight Met Fan Mike's burrito party. <laughs> exactly. On a, on a scale, on a scale of, of burrito, burrito to, <laughs> to John Dugan. We'll, we'll we'll give it we'll give it an uh, eight burrito score. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So on the on the on the low end, it's it's Hacksaw Jim Duggan. On the high end, it's Met Club Mike's burrito. <laughs> So she gets a little slow. We've all been there with the person next yeah. to us maybe had a little too I'm much. I'm there right now. <laughs> That's all right, yeah. All these LaCroix. Yeah, there was one moment that was quite funny that I'll, I'll bring up a little later and then we get into the set list here. But, um, yeah, just the anticip- you can feel the anticipation. Um, I think the crowd was, was still majority all Metallica fans, which was good. You, you felt like you're, you're going to have a good atmosphere. And you're just the anticipate. You know, you got symphony players that are all getting tuned up. Um, it was probably say about two thirds of the symphony players were out there. Um, the rest of them kind of came out just prior to the band, just prior to to Edwin coming out. 
but the but the anticipation was there because you see the players and they're tuning up and it's just like ah oh, I can't believe this is you can't believe it's just so surreal that you're standing there and you're right there and it's in your face yeah I mean it, it, there was so many months of anticipation and it's not only that but it's a historic show they're yeah. only doing two more of these and it's, and, and now it's finally happening you know it's they're right filming you. it you know they're going to make a you, you know for Chris too it's like that's the first Metallica album he heard it's his mm-hmm. favorite Metallica album. And now knowing that you're going to be a part of the next one, even if it's just you and the crowd noise, right? Going, yeah, I'm fucked up on Molly. Oh yeah, <laughs> play Prince Charming. Oh. <laughs> so I had it's interesting in your notes. They don't start out with "Long Way to the Top." There, yeah, no long way. Um, basically, lights lights come down, and uh, Edwin the Edwin Outwater, the the primary uh, conductor, comes out. And as the crowds crowds cheering because they know this you know start of the show, and he takes the podium and they go into ecstasy. So mm. that was kind of interesting that there was no long way. Hmm. I mean, it's you know it's a sophisticated show. It's, mm-hmm. it's the orchestra. There are people in the crowd wearing tuxedos. I mean, there's not many people that would know. <laughs> I will say there were there were a few people even like probably even more on night two. There, there was plenty plenty of tuxedo t-shirts and a few other people that dressed up. Maybe not quite to the degree that i did but but it was kind of people had fun with it imagine the guy whose big idea was to wear a tuxedo t-shirt and they're like this is gonna be fucking hilarious yeah. and then they get there and see chris they're like oh shit damn it <laughs> oh crap well walk us through some of the highlights of the gig man i mean you know i'm sure we're yeah. all anxious to hear about how some of this was pulled off the different things from the original snm the additions the all this yeah walk us through it so uh start off with ecstasy obviously complete chills you know you're not used to hearing ecstasy live like that right with a full symphony you know mm-hmm. it's just it just adds so much more depth i felt like you know it's just oh my god you know it's, it's happening um the boys walk out during during ecstasy so it's a little bit different than snm1 where they kind of walk they come out during cthulhu right yeah they kind of came out one by one yeah yeah this time they all came out during ecstasy and they all kind of entered, walk onto the stage together from the same point um, as ecstasy's ending. So just obviously crowds going nuts. Mm-hmm. And then to no surprise, they, they start going into Cthulhu, which I just got to hear at Munich, which was spectacular, but the symphony just, it's a whole nother level with that song. Right. I mean, and Michael Kamen's uh, arrangements on that, from the original are so so good well i think it's ennio morricone's arrangement no 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 on cthulhu oh we're talking oh we went in yeah cthulhu. sorry sorry i'm a dumb dude, we're on inner sandman where you been sorry dudes <laughs> molly's kicking in um yeah i mean for them to all come they all came out separately at the berkeley gigs yeah because they were in a traditional stage setup where there was a backstage yeah for this in the round thing there's nowhere to go so it makes sense for them yeah. to already be out right there. yeah which throughout the show is quite interesting about how they do guitar changes. You know, Lars doesn't have his little cubby hole that he goes into. You know, none of that. Kirk couldn't take a take a mid show mid arena pee break or massage or, or a... massage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm sure he probably got one during intermission, but but yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of interesting just how they had to work through that stuff because it's different than sure. than what they're used to. You mm-hmm. know. So yeah, Cthulhu um, really played just like the album. I didn't, I didn't pick up on anything anything different. Uh, first impression, the mix was way better than I expected. I could hear the symphony way better than I expected. Um, I did feel like the harp was a little bit more to the front side than what I would have liked. Bit of a harp heavy mix. 
harp forward a little heavy yeah <laughs> Uh, and Lars, the, the drums are a little bit set back. Um, now, it could have been some of this could be just where I was sitting on the floor and, and the way the PA was. That all seemed better night two. Um, now, the lower bowl in night two, so a little bit more in line with some of the PA. But but overall, I was like, it sounded really good. Um, other impressions, Edwin has a lot of energy. He, like, uses his whole body and kind of gets in his groove. I love that. I felt like, like conducting it was it was it was and there's even moments too where you'd almost like conduct the crowd too during like certain certain singing i'll bet he's i mean i'll bet he was a fan before this i've seen a few clips on instagram and stuff and he he does use his whole body very passionate it sounds like he was my maybe on dmt which sounds awesome yeah or dm or dmb <laughs> dmb he's listening to a lot of dave matthews under yeah. the table and well, i mean they were before. the second show at the chase yeah, that's true oh that's true okay all right, go on, Chris. Sorry. No, I just even compared to, to to Tilson Thomas, who's a little bit more rigid, I would say, with his conducting style. Um, it was just really cool to see Ed on, like, really into it, into the groove of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody, you know, as far as, you know, James had a button down. Uh, Rob had a kind of a nice overcoat. Uh, Kirk had... Uh, like a leather coat on, so they're a little bit dressed up. I wouldn't say it was quite to what Berkeley was, right? But but they're a little bit dressed up. What so. was Lars wearing? Lars just had his normal black T-shirt, black pants. Okay. Um, nothing nothing special. Backwards hat. trucker hat. Backwards yeah. hat, yeah. Backwards hat, yeah. Toothpick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, they get they get done with Cthulhu, that kills, and they go right right into bells. Again, just like SM1, one of the highlights from SM1, uh, just completely killed it. it. It just sounded so amazing. So just like SM1, like you would hope. Um, and this is where I noticed too the crowd was better than what I expected, um, noise level wise, singing wise. There, there were moments throughout the show too where I could almost not even hear James because the crowd was loud. Now this wow. is still nothing, nothing compared to what night two's crowd ended up being. Yeah. But but I was it made it that much more fun that the crowd was And again to remember night two is all fifth members. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I, I, the expectation that that's gonna be a little nuttier as we say mm-hmm. is just that's that's to be expected, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So but I, I was very pleased that the night one crowd was better than what you expect knowing that it's a mixed crowd. Right, yeah. So from there, they go into um, Day That Never Comes. So this is the first new song. Um, I would say it was probably one of the songs that was high up on the expectation list that they would probably play. Um, you could pick it out right right away. You knew when it was because uh, the symphony was playing the, the whole intro, which sounded amazing. There was, there was some crowd singing going on on the intro. Um, so if you're even for night one to have some of that crowd singing going on was was good. Um, again, nothing compared to night two was killer, but it just, to me, it sounded very like a movie soundtrack was, is kind of the way I put it, you That's know, cool. very kind of heroic and just like, so cool to get that, just getting thrown in your face live. This was, this was one of the ones I was really pulling for. for it's kind of a no brainer when you think about if they're going to pull from death magnetic, it's, it's the biggest no brainer. Yeah. I think. Well, this and unforgiven three already has strings in it. So it's yeah. like, we have to do that. Right. Right. And they did both. Yep. Yep. James sounded really, really good. Um, the string accents were good. I would, I would say, 
this is the first time you get a taste of how the symphony is going to be with the new song. Mm-hmm. So, you know, S&M one, the symphony, a lot of songs were almost kind of playing their own song that was intertwined and meshed with the Metallica song where here it was a little bit more, more complimentary, uh, more complimentary. Like they kind of, and they already kind of said this ahead of time, but, but, you know, definitely like accentuating riffs and, and certain aspects um, of the song instead of just kind of, doing their own thing and hoping that it, it meshes well. Right. So, right. Um, and there are times where they would, you know, SNM one, the symphony can maybe overpower or, um, override some of the solos at times, or, you know, some of the murky moments in SNM one here, they're a little bit more laid back in some of those moments. So it's good to hear. So the Kirk solo work could still shine and all yeah. that, but it was, but they could still add elements in there to emphasize certain, certain notes going on during solos. So, I mean, it was really, really cool. Right on. And we get another repeat memory. Yep. So then we get in the memory. So repeat. Um, so this is the first time um, James kind of just talks to the crowd, welcomes everybody to coming, you know, to, to S&M, introduces the symphony. Uh, night one, you know, he, he basically, once he said, let's hear you sing, you knew, you knew what was coming before they even hit the first note. Um, night two is interesting because he said, let's hear how loud you can, uh, let's show the symphony how loud you can get. Hmm, wow. So he changed what he said and the night two memory, I mean, I don't want to take anything away from what, you know, I know you guys are going to do night two with the Chad, but um, with Pollock, but it was unbelievable. Um, hey, let's sing this one so loud that the, Tattooed, muscled harpist <laughs> shits his pants. Yeah, and it breaks all his harp strings. Again. Memory on night one uh, lived up to what memory typically is at a typical Metallica show as far as crowd volume and singing and, um, you know, the the ending part, Marian Faithful part at the end. All, all that was like a normal Metallica show. Um, the one thing I'll add night two, the, not only was the crowd louder, we would not stop singing that last part to the point where... Lars actually basically had to start into the next song to get the crowd to shut up. It was it was completely amazing. We just got an email from Katrina who was there, and she actually mentioned the never-ending memory yeah. uh, section of yep. night two. So that's that's going to be interesting to see if that's what makes the DVD instead yep. of night one. Like them yeah. being like, "You guys have to stop now." Yeah, please stop. It's like past our <laughs> bedtime. We've been doing this for six hours. Yeah. There's a YouTube video that is is pretty focused on James during that moment. And, you know, you got Lars just, like, acting, like, like sh- and, like, waves his hands, like, stop! And James <laughs> just has this smile, like, James does this little motion, like, keep it going. Yeah. And he just has this smile from ear to ear, and it's just so cool to see not only him so happy and just taking in that moment, you know, that energy exchange that's going on between between the fans and the band. Because, you know, this is a moment, like, this this has not happened before. With You know, Memory's one of the biggest sing-along songs. But this is a whole nother level, and to know that this is probably a moment that that's going to carry with them for the rest of their lives, it's pretty special. Yeah, and James is still kind of the mischievous one. Mm-hmm. So if it's like gone on long enough, and Lars is trying to corral the crowd back together, James, I could see James a little twinkle in his eye, like, eh, let's see, yeah. how, let's see. How yeah, Lars same time, James is like, uh-huh, let's but I, going. but I bet too, because the next song is confusion, and it's got that kind of drum intro, kind of like, am I evil? That mm-hmm. real snare-heavy intro. And I bet Lars was kind of... Ang- and this is the first time they played it with the symphony. Right. It's one they don't play live much. So I bet he was kind of anxious to get into Confusion, too. Yeah. Bro- yeah. I mean, there's times like he, 
he sat down on the kit. He was sorry, Sonic Two go sat down on the kit. Was ready to start going. Crowd went shut up. He gets back up off the kit, starts playing with the crowd like quiet, and then gets down on the kit. He actually has to like start waving like kind of vehemently, like okay, enough. <laughs> we need to get into the next. Yeah, song we have because... work to do. <laughs> well, and there's other things too. You know, the symphony has has uh, union rules and stuff like that on how long they can play and. You know, they're filming this, and it's like, it it can't go on as much as we want it to go on forever. It can't. You're going to run out of film? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Check the gate. So what I'm really curious, I'm really curious when you talk to Scott to ask him what his, uh, what that moment was like for him. Okay. Hearing memory with a crowd like that. I'd be really curious to get some orchestra thoughts on that, because that had to be really unique for the orchestra, too, to, to be for to, sure. exposed to that. They're like, is everyone having a simultaneous stroke? <laughs> is everyone okay? <laughs> well, there was, what, tw- 25 players that were at the original one? Yeah, 25 people that are still in the symphony That's that were so at the cool. shows. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So tell us about Confusion. So, yeah. Yeah, confusion. Um, this was a curveball. I, I was not expecting this one. I would not have guessed this either for us yeah. too. No. Yeah, I did, definitely did not. Um, it it worked okay. It, like I said, it was not one I was expecting. So I was maybe not not quite as prepared for it. Um, I can't say it was anything overly special. Would you say that you were mildly confused? confused? <laughs> Oh, the song's got confusion. (laughs) In the portal. (laughs) Okay, sorry, Chris. Go on. (laughs) So, but but it still it 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 worked. It worked pretty well together. I I was I was happy with it. I was satisfied. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's nothing over the top. I would say about confusion. Just probably one of the bigger curveballs of the night that that got put into the list. But going straight into one, I think we all knew would come down the pike, which is Moth. Yeah, and I cannot wait to hear this one. I'm yeah, sure this same. was amazing with the symphony. So good. Um, the lighting was good. The the symphony again, same thing, more more accenty than doing their own thing. Um, but it worked really good. It sounded awesome. Um, the strings and like some of the pre-chorus part was just like. Oh my God! And then the way they would come in when James was the the some rise and fall lyric, um, it it worked with the lyric almost perfectly too. Um, so badass. The old, the one thing I kind of wish that would have made it more visually awesome is if they had the drones, but they did not have the drones. Um, right. So that's the one kind of bummer. Is like after the show, like ah, oh, would have been really cool. You can't ha- you can't have a drone flying straight into that harp. That 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 probably would have been bad news. Yeah. Could you imagine? <laughs> Um, so yeah, but at that point in Moth, okay, so it's like, ah, two hardwired songs. That's probably all you're going to get at this point. You're thinking this, this is all you're going to get from hardwired. Right, right. right. You mm-hmm. know, which, which kind of left the major player on the table. It's like, ah, they, they pick confusion over this other song. And yeah. it's just like, ah, but. Well, I would have been thinking either Halo or Atlas or hardwired would be coming up. Yeah. If they were going to do another Or one. murder one. <laughs> Yeah. Murder One's <laughs> debut. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, you think you think Hardwired's done. That's two songs off that album. There's no way they're going to do another one. What's really exciting about the next song is an S&M debut, Ethan. Yep. It is the debut of the Outlaw Torn, which finally... <laughs> finally you know what? Let's give it up for the yeah. debut of Outlaw Torn. Wow. We've, we've, we've been waiting for it for 20 years. Isn't it amazing? That's crazy. I'm so thankful. So amazing. So, Chris, tell us about Outlaw Torn. Everybody was expecting Outlaw, especially uh, after they played it 
um, at the Mannheim show. Um, Mannheim. Oh, Mannheim, Germany. I know this place very well. <laughs> Everybody knew it was, you know, figured it was coming. I'd like to imagine that they chose Outlaw Torn because they it wasn't on the first one, and they knew that I was yeah, well, upset about that. They, well, of course, they've, they're in on the inside. They, they've listened to the podcast. They, they know. Yeah. I did feel like like it was a little bit of a bummer because it did feel like a spoiler that the few of the European shows before, they played Cthulhu, they Outlaw played Torn. Outlaw, yeah. and it did kind of feel like, ah, they're, you know... And we yeah. heard that they were uh, sound checking another another interesting song later in the set. So, and I get it; they had to kind of play them in the real world and get them under their fingers and get comfortable. But it yeah. did kind of feel like a spoiler a little bit. Yeah. But you know what? If they are going to bring one back from SNM one, I'm glad it was Outlaw. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, agreed. I mean, the, the symphony version of Outlaw is the best version of Outlaw. I think it's better than the album. It Absolutely takes agree. That song so much. I think. That's why people had such a passion for Outlaw is because of the S&M version of Outlaw. Nailed it. You could, I couldn't agree more. So, and James sounded great. The man, I was surprised. So even the video I saw the Mannheim show, and then again, his clean tone sounded so good. I mean, we all know James is thinking, you know, a little bit more, um, what would be the word, rough in the voice a little bit, a little bit more gr- grungy like, a little bit. Like, you know, like, like growly? Growly, yes. Growly would be a good word. Um, that's the technical clean, term. His his clean turn uh, tone in Outlaw was fantastic. I mean, it, it as close to S and M one as you would have you would have hoped he would be able to belt out uh, those lyrics. Um, so good. I know that all of us who couldn't be there are super relieved to hear that he was in good form, sounded great, sounded like the record from twenty right. years ago. That means yeah. he's been working hard to take care of himself. Yep, absolutely. You know, it's just another thing to be grateful for as a lifelong fan of the band, mm-hmm. who have many yep. good years ahead of them also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He said that. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, and the other so thing then... I'll say, the last thing I'll say, and, and especially to you, Clint, how fun it is to see Kirk playing with a slide. I love it. Um, and yeah, back absolutely. to the low, you know, the low days. Uh, so fun to see that getting pulled out. Um, actually, he threw that into the crowd when he was done playing with it. Oh, but really? Just, yeah. Yeah, some lucky fan has it. Uh, wow, that's that cool. is awesome. Some lucky fan either has it in their pocket or they're still in the hospital because uh, <laughs> their eyeball got caved in from it being hit in the face with yeah, it. Or if it was a glass slide, like a couple people were reaching for it and it just fell on the floor and just shattered. Shattered into a million pieces. Yeah. yeah. Well, now everyone gets a piece. Okay, so moving on to Clover. Clover, yes. Um, mm, yes, please. Oh my goodness! So amazing the symphony. Ad, you know, obviously they've they've played this by themselves a few times. They've used the symphony opening, but the symphony adds so much this this song just needs the symphony with it and it it does not disappoint to me this is kind of the uh the almost like the title track of snm2 to me it's like yeah the, the, because it was a single mm-hmm. it, be, it became like the song from snm for me at least absolutely well think about it it was at a time when oh they're gonna play a new song too that's that can kind of be a bummer yeah oh yeah but this yeah. was one of the best songs of the whole set and it was brand fucking new yep absolutely and that's and that's what made this way more fun was you know the berkeley shows it was a new song there was no crowd participation completely different this time yeah it's a classic now crowd singing and it just it made it so much fun and and i'm not i, I i'm not gonna lie honey Honey, I got I got a little bit clamped. Oh, during, honey, during, please. During oh, Clover. honey, please. When I when the first lilting sounds of the oboe come in, it's all I can do not to cry. I have to think about Lucius oh, at home. Oh, even Valentino's said shedding a tear, shedding a little doggy tear from. Oh. It. Yep, 
I collect, my, you know what I do? I collect Lucius's tears and I put them in the refrigerator for six to eight weeks. And then, honey, sometimes I drink them. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's good for you. <laughs> I heard it's it, the best. Does that help with the aging? It well, oh, helps with the yeah. aging process. I rub, I rub lemon butter and almond butter, yeah. butter and, on my and skin. And Lucius tears, yeah, yeah, fortnightly. But also drinking Lucius is six to eight weeks. Oh, I read it in Women's tears. Health. It was a great article. I read it in, I read it in Joyce Health Weekly, which is the magazine that I write for myself and for you, Joyce. Well, there's only two of us that read it. <laughs> so, <laughs> but Clover, I mean, it's just that it's that full circle moment. You know, during that song, I'm getting full flashbacks of my entire Metallica journey that was the, the last Molly. 20 years. And it was, it was just like, bro. it was like, holy hell. So then you've already sort of, you, you've already mentioned, you thought maybe the hardwire sauce is over. Yeah. It, did they do the slower intro to Halo on fire? No. And I think that's one of the most, that's the only knock I can say that they didn't do the intro that James does the intro part to, to Halo. Right. Um, Cause I thought that would have been so beautiful to have that with the symphony. But they they just jump basically right into the song. But and you know in the moment you didn't care. It's like this was this was the other hardwired song that I was just praying for that they would play because I knew I can't it was so good. It. Yeah, I have you know I got friends Shawnee from the forum. This is her favorite song. So I was like, not only was I happy, I knew she was going nuts, and it was just like, uh, especially with the outro. Um, you just knew that it was going to be so good, and it did not disappoint. Can we get a little muted trumpet on that Halo outro? (laughs) (laughs) Perfect, dude. Perfect. Uh, That was an oboe, bro. So good. So I'm curious what these intermissions are like. How long was the intermission? What did you do during the intermission? So it was about 20 minutes. Um, They had a clock up on the rings, on on the screens, so you kind of knew how much time there was. So you Flavor Flav was lowered into the center of the arena <laughs> with his clock, wearing a giant clock, yeah. which that was what everyone knew how the time for the intermission. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, you could go do your little pee pee break, go get you another drink, you know. So some people that that you know mingle. He just had you know it's different to have an intermission show, intermission for a Metallica show, right? So it's just like that first that first half of the show was so epic. It's like oh my, like how you're almost speechless. Like how could it get any, any better? Can it get any better? You know, the answer is none more better. (laughs) I think, I think for a lot of people at the end, they feel like, you know, the first half was just so much better. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe they shot their load a little bit on the first half of the, half of the the set, but it it was just so epic. Um, Man, you're just trying to process everything that, that you just witnessed. Looking at it just quickly, Ecstasy, Cthulhu, Bells, Day, Memory, Confusion, Moth, Outlaw, Clover, Halo. That is solid. Oh, yeah. That's uh, yeah. I that's mean, badass. It's a real badass. I can't set. wait for the film. Yeah, for sure. All right. So y- y- we're definitely going to need to hear some explanation for the next two songs after the intermission. So how did everyone come back on? What was, what was that like? So basically, it's, it's kind of a soft coming back. Lars comes out. Now, I will say night one, there was... Compared to night two, Lars talked a lot more, and I think it took a while for people to get back to their seats night one. Again, you're not talking about the complete hardcore Metallica people. Um, I did hear a story about one person, uh, the person sitting next to them thought the show was over and actually left. <laughs> what? Um, what an yeah. idiot. <laughs> Unbelievable. But, uh, well, I guess we're not going to play Sandman. Well, we got some out of here. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. a short concert. 
It's a real short concert, and there's some it's weird... Kind of a, it's kind of is that how much time we have up on the screen to get out of the arena? We flew all the way here from Brazil, but uh, I guess we'll just head yeah. home now. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean, it's fine. So Lars, Lars talks. This is a normal talking deal. You know, thank everybody. And then he basically um, introduces Michael Tilson Thomas. This is the first time that, that we're seeing him for the night. So uh, Michael, uh, he, he introduces this... Uh, this now I'm going to butcher this last name, but it's by uh, Sergey... Uh, Smith. Okay. Prokop. Cocoa butter? Yeah, yeah. Cocoa butter. butter. Yeah. So he's, he talks about some of the musical silence, the classical music. And, and so here you know it's okay. It's going to be a symphony only piece, which is different from SM1. They're, they're given an opportunity for the symphony to just kind of shine by themselves and not just be an accompaniment, which is kind of cool. So um, I think overall, like even the Metallica fans, they they kind of dug it. It was I think everybody respected it. It was kind of a it was kind of a rocking piece a little bit. You know, it it had some heavy moments. It had some it had some cool aspects to it that were like okay, I can I can groove in. I can get in the groove of this. I can get into this. I think if you look at it like a reintro to the second set, you know, it's like this is the Cthulhu. Or sorry, yeah, uh, the, the, the ecstasy, ecstasy of yeah. the next half. You know. Yes. Yep. So you know you're kind of expecting that's going to be it, and then. Um, Tilson, after they get done with that, Michael Tilson Thomas kind of starts introducing this next song that's by Alexander Mosloff called Iron Foundry. That's part of this futurism, as he would say. Sounds like a Black Sabbath song. It does. <laughs> yeah. I am Iron Foundry. So, and this time he says, okay, but now we're going to be joined by the members of Metallica. So it's like, again, they're trying to do something like in reverse where this is the symphony shining and Metallica is going to accompany them. Um, Night one, I will say, was pretty sloppy. Um, it, it, they, they were not in good sync. If you remember from like Saint Anger, there's that part where Lars is trying to do that weird kind of offbeat drum thing that wasn't really working. It was mm-hmm. all over the place. Right. This is this is what initiated the big stock argument. Yeah, yeah. Right. This this was not to that extreme of kind of being offbeat, but but like the stuff that Kirk was doing, the stuff that Lars was doing was a little bit kind of. You felt offbeat and it just wasn't quite in sync and I was like, Oh, this is this is kind well, of a doesn't mess. it kind of feel like well, we could be getting a Metallica song. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's the feeling of like, all right, you got you let the orchestra play a song. All right. Great, great, great. Yeah. But, but then it's like we're gonna do another one that's yeah. not even that great. Yeah. And they didn't do yeah, Sabbath True. It's like, okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, whatever, kudos, kudos. I'm not trying to be a downer, but that those are my feelings about it when I saw that. I was like, What the fuck is this? Yeah. But I will say, night two, they were way more locked in, and it sounded infinitely better. It, it was, That's good. It was pretty cool, night two. Good for them. Especially the back <laughs> half. The back half of it actually got pretty heavy, so it was, it was pretty cool. So that gets done, and then the band leaves the stage. Chad comes up, takes James's guitar. So you just have James on stage, and you're like, "What's what's going on? This is this is different. This is kind of weird." And then the symphony starts off and it's Unforgiven 3. And it's mm. like, oh my gosh, it's Unforgiven 3 with just James singing. This is probably the biggest surprise of the whole gig. I agree, yeah. Is that they did it and that they did it in such a unique way. I mean, James did a similar thing with the song One at the 30th anniversary shows where I believe he just sings it with the Apocalyptica Quartet. Right, yeah. So this is mm-hmm. similar to that, except he's got a full orchestra behind him. A beautiful ballad. It's like Pavarotti up there, man. Totally. <laughs> that was my Pavarotti. <laughs> so what? So, like a, a ghost from Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So what's the so is it, are, can you feel a collective oh shit kind of vibe from the crowd as you all realize what's happening here? Oh yes, abs- absolutely. It was like oh my goodness, this is just not something you expected. You know, I think people were hoping for Unforgiven three, but but just James vocally with the symphony, and I think we've all kind of had this feeling like you know what would James be like just just singing you know without without anything else, and it's like here we're getting it. It's like oh my god. Um, I will say it was kind of interesting because it almost seemed like James almost didn't know what to do with his hands. At yeah, time. I saw the video. I was, you know what I was thinking about that? I was thinking, you know, he should have played an acoustic and yeah. just either right. done some finger picking or some kind of light strumming. Yeah, that yeah. would have been really cool because he, I did see what he didn't know what to do because he, he. I will say this in the video. This was the one treat I gave myself. I did watch the video on this because okay. I just thought it was so fucking cool. He does. He is very expressive with his hands. Yeah, as he yes. sings, he he'll, he'll open his arms up wide and with arms wide yeah. open. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, Scott Stapp, he takes a lot of inspiration <laughs> from, yeah. of course. So, but yeah, but then other times he was putting his hands in his pockets, and it was kind of a night, what do night, I do with my hands, you know? Night two was very different. I thought night two he was less animated. I, I think it was night one. I didn't fully pick up on it. People said that there was a lyric stumble that happened at, at some point in night so one I don't or two. Know. I think it was night one, so I okay. think maybe he was just a little bit more locked down and focused night two to make sure they get a good a good stem for that, you know. Um, but man, just overall, it's just like it's just one of these things that you, you know, again, it's something you've never seen before, really, and and it's just a, it's it's just this unique moment. You're just trying to take everything in, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So the the next one was really interesting to me. I I, I did not really. I mean, I thought they would do something off St. Anger, but since they've been doing St. Anger Frantic, I yeah. thought maybe do one of those. Yeah. This was a, this was a bit not, of a surprise. This this one was on my list. This I, I you know obviously I was at the acoustic show, so I saw it, and the minute I saw um, Ave walk on stage, I knew exactly what they were doing. So he's a guy. He works with them at HQ. He was one of the four accompanied musicians that played with them at the acoustic show. He's cool. the one that did all the backup vocals for the acoustic show. So I knew exactly what they were doing when I saw him walk up on stage and they set up the second, the second mic for him. Um, and it killed, it was everything you would have hoped it would have been for, for all within my hands, the acoustic version. So good. I, I think it's way better than the, the album version. So unique. You know, it was just, it was awesome. And I think people better than I expected knew what it was pretty right. pretty quickly you know they they've at least heard it from the all in my hand show mm-hmm. um really really fantastic which by the way i've got that gig on vinyl yeah pretty limited release what an awesome show it is man yeah disposable sure. heroes all in my hands they do when yep. a blind man cries i mean it's in a it's a fucking yeah. awesome show i think they do, do do chris don't they even do bleeding me on that Yep, Bleeding Me is on it. Yep. I mean, they haven't played Bleeding Me in forever. That's awesome. So, yeah. Um, rumor, are, rumor is, rumor is, they're going to do the second All Within My Hand show at the end of February or March. And it's going to so, be another auction. Oh, I'm sure they'll. I'm sure they'll do auctions. We got to try to go. We got to try to go, Ethan. We got to try to go. Let's try to. Let's try to put a put a pin in it. Well, once they yeah. announce that shit, then we'll sort it out. <laughs> so, what? How do they segue into this moment with Scott Pringle? By the way, yep. heir of the the great Pringle company. Yeah, yeah. He grew up raised on Pringles. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna inherit a lot of chips he, and his, money. His crib was made of Pringles. His first bed, toddler bed, was made of Pringles. Yeah, yeah. The the bed posts were the Pringle cans. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, because they repurp the Pringles are very repurposing. God, I love Pringles. I know. I love Scott Pringle. Scott Pringle. So did everyone leave except for Scott? I have not watched video of this. Tell us about this anesthesia moment. Yeah, so 
uh, James kind of stays on stage and starts to introduce it. So while he's introducing it, the crew are trying to set up everything for Scott because what well, turns out, um, and I won't go into his whole story because if you guys are going to have him on, I'll let him go through that. But, mm-hmm. but he basically had this custom electric stand-up bass that he was using. So they had to set all that up. Um, There's a pedal setup they had to do with it. So it, it took a little bit of time for all that to happen. So while that's going on, James is introducing, you know, you all know who Cliff is. Actually, I knew Ray was in the crowd too. So it's like, oh my goodness, they're going to, they're going to do something. You know, you don't know if it's going to be anesthesia or if it's going to be Orion or something, mm-hmm. something, but you know, Ray's in the crowd too. So it's like, okay, this is going to be a really special moment. Um, so James talks about, you know, we know Cliff's there in spirit and he kind of introduces Scott and that he wanted to, you know, pay homage to their fallen brother Cliff and, and has something special for you. So it still takes, uh, probably another two minutes for them to finish setting everything up with Scott um, to get everything hooked up, get him in position, him ready to play. Um, and then it starts. And I mean, the YouTube videos of this, I mean, if there's one of the treat you're engaged yourselves, th- this is the moment. I think this is to me, uh, one of the most standout moments of the entire show. I've watched this but, one. It's great. But the, the videos don't even do it justice. When he hits this, when he starts with this low note, it just like, it's so heavy, just like buries itself inside of you. You just, you can feel it reverberating throughout your entire body. And it's just like, oh my God. And this whole intro start that he starts off with is just so, the way I describe it, just beautiful and eerie and heavy and just amazing. Then he starts, you get those first little notes of anesthesia. And and then it's like, oh my God, you know, like, is this really happening? You know, did he play it with a bow or with his fingers? With a bow. Okay. Yeah. So that boo 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 boo. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Wow. Wow. It's it's so good. The you know the people the, the the hardcore Metallica people right there start going nuts, and then he kind of goes into another section, and then he starts playing these long notes, and like the third time he he does a pass with a bow, he kicks on distortion, which nobody's expecting. You know, you just think it's going to be this 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 bass cello thing right you're not expecting distortion to freaking kick in right distortion kicks in and just hits you in the face and it's like holy crap and that got people nuts you know when the distortion happened it's like oh my god that got people you know if they, if they were sitting before they were standing um and then it goes again more in anesthesia part and then eventually um you almost don't even see him walk up to the kit Lars comes in and and starts playing the the back half. It's like you're getting the full anesthesia pulling teeth. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, it's just so good. That's cool. And the other cool thing is, I looked to my left, and James was over there in Chad's area, obviously. And James is rocking out to this thing, and it's just so cool and so fun to see that. Awesome. That's awesome, man. Well, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun to get Scott's angle on all that. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna the story. There's a couple articles that are out there on the whole story behind it, the backstory of how it all came to be, and it's a fascinating story. So that's gonna be a really cool episode. Right on. So set us up for Rome. How was Rome? Yeah, um, Rome was uh, pretty good. Um, It was just like SNM one. It's kind of funny with the forum community. We all kind of. Pope, you know, Dan on the forum is not a big fan of of Rome. We kind of have this going gag that that goes on with Rome, but even he admitted that this was this was actually pretty good. Um, the crowd energy 
you know, this, this picked up the crowd energy, you know, sure. you, you had right. a lot of bunch of slower stuff that just kind of happened, you know, delicate stuff between the two symphony things all within my hands and see, you know, it's all kind of more delicate related stuff. And then all of a sudden you get hit with Rome Right. that picked everybody back up. And I think made it, I think it actually made Rome better because of it, because you had this separation of, of energy in the songs. Right. 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 So um, the girl next to me when Rome got done was like, Oh my God, this just gave me an orgasm. That was an orgasm. <laughs> oh my God. And she was just going nuts. And she was like hanging all over me too a little bit. Uh-oh. Like, oh, she, hey. she was sloppy drunk. Well, what's funny is that the next song, like her and the boyfriend switch places. So, so that the boyfriend was, he was like, I'm not having this shit. I was like, yeah, <laughs> this guy's wearing a fucking dimed out old. tuxedo. <laughs> He's like, I can't, I, I can't let this happen. Yeah. I switch seats with my girl. Yeah. I can't lose my girlfriend at this concert. And then that guy got a boner when he sat next to, <laughs> sat next to Chris. Chris is like an aphrodisiac for anyone yeah, near he him. He is. Uh, wow. So, uh, okay. Well, so did she, did, did her, did she just, was she convulsing on the floor? Was she okay? Did she manage to get it together after that song? She was, uh, you know, it's through a lot of the shows. I mean, she was unlike her boyfriend, she was headbanging and getting into the music and it was, it was kind of nice at times. Now she wanted to talk during songs at times. And I was just like no, 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 trying no, to be no, polite, no, no, you know, no. but that's kind hey, of no, excuse no me, me. Part, pardon me. I don't mean to be rude or anything, but will you shut the fuck up, please? Yeah. <laughs> How do I put but at the same nicely? time, it was cool to have somebody next to you that was out, that was rocking out. A well, absolutely, too, a totally. Songs. So that totally. Ma- that makes things more fun, right? So then they go into one. Now one is di- a little bit different than S and M one. S and M one, they kind of go right in, right into it a bit. This one, they had the the symphony do like the whole intro tape, so like the war scene intro tape going on that they that they do prior to one at the normal shows. This they had like a symphony version of that. So a lot of is James on the mic going go 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 and going? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Um, a lot of percussion going on. That was kind of cool. I don't know if he did it night one. I didn't. I didn't notice it. But night two for sure. Lars was actually participating. Like he was going up to the percussion instruments and had like this back and forth going on. I think with like one of the Tiffany players or something like that. Just no oh, cool. It was it, it was really cool, really unique. Um, and then they they go into one and, and again it's like it's like uh, S and M one and kills i mean it's it's hard to argue i mean it's for sure good that's awesome all right puppets and then they go into puppets again uh just like just like snm1 um the the biggest thing for puppets i noticed that was different is you got james singing all the lyrics he's not doing the back and forth with the what you know with the crowd singing i prefer that that. so that was i I I haven't heard that in a long time maybe do it on the last chorus just for fun right 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 yeah, so that that part was was really fun and interesting for me, because um, even even S and M one he didn't do that. The crowd sung, the the crowd did all the choruses, they, right? Um, there was one chorus the crowd did fully in S and M one, but the normal back and forth that he does, where it's like you know he does a line, crowd in the does verses, a line, he does yeah. a line, crowd does yeah. a line in the verses. Yeah, he, he did that in S and M one, but he sung everything in, in, in this time. This time, so it was a unique version of, of puppets from that standpoint, and it was enjoyable. And the whole middle section with the, the the slower part and the James's solo and the guitar harmony, I'm sure that was just yeah. absolutely beautiful with the orchestra. Oh, yeah. Super epic. Yeah. Just, just like the original. Really, really awesome. That's cool. Anything different or notable about Nothing Else Matters? They're kind of doing the classic Nothing Sandman yeah. ending. Mm-hmm. Here, at this point, you kind of know, okay, you know, they're going to, you kind of have a mental checklist of where they're at and it says, like, okay, we're, we're you know, this is Nothing in Sandman. Who knows if you're going to get a um, an encore or not, but Right. Um, yeah, they go right into nothing again. 
just like the original SNM version, it kills. Um, the fa- you know fans are turning on the lights on their phones, so just the visual of all that around the arena is really fantastic. I'd say night two probably had twice as many lights up as night one, so the the visual of all that was just amazing. And I actually had to take a picture of it when when it was going on because it was just like, oh, this is so cool, um, awesome, just like night one. And then in the Sandman, again, kills everybody knows Sandman. It's we you know people knock on it because it's on every set list, but but when it's there and it's there in front of you live, and now you have the symphony on top of it, mm-hmm. so much fun. That's cool. And, That's awesome. And whether or not they're a diehard Metallica fan or not, everybody can resonate with that song. And it's like a it's a moment at the end where, where everybody's kind of unified. Amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Amazing. Very cool. Well, you know, I'm yeah. The jealousy in the room right now is is, is you can cut it with a knife. <laughs> FOMO is strong. Such strong FOMO happening right now. So that part you don't know if there's gonna be an encore or not, but once that you know, I see I saw one of the techs pull the monitor out from uh, from James at that point, I knew they were done. So, yeah. um, so they're just everybody, you know, cheering, they do their picture, you know, they have Edwin. So, so, Oh, Sandman, I should mention. So, so Michael Tilson Thomas only did those first two songs at the first, and then Edwin comes back up to, to conduct the orchestra, but Sandman that starts off with Michael Tilson Thomas, they, they bring him back. He does like the, the first three quarters of the song. And then at the very end, they kind of exchange. Edwin does it, but they have this keyboard set up on stage, and Michael Tilson Thomas goes and starts playing the keyboard during the, the end of Sandman. It should have been a so. guitar. Let's face it. Should <laughs> guitar would have been awesome. It should it have been a guitar. An explorer guitar. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> so you've already burnt down the show, and then you've got another show to listen to, to, to go to. You're not sure if they're going to play. There's just a whole bunch of anticipation about show number two, but in between is what I'm sure was another highlight of the whole weekend was this the sort this is the official pre-party on saturday right well it's not official it's still fan organized oh, okay. gotcha it's fan organized it's a fundraiser for all within my hands um it's not officially you no know, the band did include it as things that were going on in san francisco and their emails that they sent out right, um, right. part of the weekend but but the band officially didn't have anything to to do with it or the organization of it or the the running of it gotcha okay. so um russell wilson who's a extreme fan had did the majority of the work on setting this up and been going on for months and then you know had a lot of help from from some core people uh running the event volunteers um and was just an awesome event so this was down at the at the chapel i had a, a vip package that came with a meet and greet with ray um so I got down there, I don't know, 30, 30 minutes or so before doors open. So I was pretty early in line. Um, Squindo had an awesome poster just for this. I still think it's probably, the, to me, the poster of the weekend. That's cool. Which, by the way, Squindo, we're having Squindo on the show to talk all about what goes into making Metallica posters right. and big posters. He's tight with James. So that's going to be a fun episode. He was at our party. For sure, yeah. Really cool dude. Yep. Yep. So um, I wanted all that. They had these really cool, they, they only made, uh, 25 drum heads that had their logos on it. And I knew I wanted one of them. I thought they were going to be a couple hundred bucks. They ended up only being 80 bucks. I think they had 20 that were available for purchase. The other ones were part of the silent auction and were for other giveaways that they did. But I was able to, I was able to buy everything basically. So I was able to get the t-shirt, able to get awesome. the poster, able to get a drum head and, and get two picks. So still got all that done. Um, so then I'm just kind of checking out the venue. They had this big loft area that was for VIPs only. 
So I went up there just to kind of see what it looked like from up there. Ran into uh, Joe Sib up there, who was part of this whole deal. Obviously, he was part of the opening uh, opening act with Jim Brewer on the North American leg of the tour. He was mm-hmm. uh, doing a lot of the DJ stuff and uh, would help Jim out on his bits. So um, I talked to him at, at one of the shows and was, you know, kind of invited him out to the NASCAR shop. They were driving by and not working out, but he remembered me and all that. And, um, got to talk to him and um, I think I got you guys connected now with Joe. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that was really fun. Um, and then I went back downstairs. Everybody was kind of mingling in this downstairs bar area. So I kind of got a drink and got a bar stool and it kind of started to just sit there and kind of hold court as people were kind of walking by to say hi. This kind of seemed easier that way. And um, Why, hello. Yes, I am Metallic Claus. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, I am the Perhaps oboe you player. saw me yesterday wearing the tuxedo. Yes, it yes. is I. I play the bassoon. <laughs> Took pictures of Shawnee. They had a little uh, internet uh, backdrop deal. Um, Shout out to Shawnee, big... by the way, who's a listener of the show and just a total sweetheart on the forums. And... Oh, amazing! I'm glad everybody. She's got like to she's like the her. mom of the forums. I feel like totally like, like mama bear. Awesome person. Yes. So yeah, I got to see people walking by. Um, eventually, um, Brett Murray showed up. So one of the photographers uh, talked to him real real quick, and then like the two the two wardrobe assistants uh, showed up as well. Um, so the one who, if you saw any of the Jim Brewer videos, um, coordinated all the, the food drive stuff that they did. I think it was in, in Portland or Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was the one that spearheaded all their leftover catering now goes to a local uh, food bank. Awesome. Very cool. So she was there. And then the other one, who's the, the one that goes in the little cubbyhole with bars when they're doing the arena shows, she, she was there. So I got talked to both of them real, 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 real briefly. Because you need a wardrobe assistant to tell you to keep wearing the black shirt and black pants. And <laughs> right. hat. Make sure that hat's still on. Okay, we're yes. Good. Yes. All right. And then Joe Sib did some comedy. How was that? Yeah, so he went up. I think it was like a mixed routine. I was still kind of like catching up with people when he when he first took the stage. So I I missed probably like the first half of his when he was doing. But um, yeah, I think it was kind of this mixed kind of comedy routine and talking about his experience on the North American tour. Um, so that was that was really entertaining. And then for me, what I thought was the highlight of the night was they did the Cliff Burton panel. So they brought up uh, they brought up Ray. They uh, Mike Borden came up from Faith No More. Her- from Faith No More and, and Ozzy. And then Harold Ullman, who's one of the, you know, he was the Bay Area thrash scene photographer, the guy who's kind of behind some of the murder in the front row stuff. And we and we have um, his contact info right to get on the show to talk about that. Is that correct? Yep. Cool. Yep. Once again, thanks to Chris. The tour manager. TM. <laughs> and uh, so that was, uh, and then it was kind of moderated by Toby Stapleton, who is like, I think the first, full-time uh met club employee from back in the early like from the early 90s through the beginning of the mid 2000s or something like that so okay really really cool guy to moderate all this um there was quite a few times during the show they had to tell the crowd to be quiet (laughs) and try to be respectful to ray um you know it's this place has an actual stage kind of made for performances and all that so the acoustics kind of carry throughout the venue so even the noise and like the very back and the bar area would kind of reverberate through. And there, there were times, especially when Ray was talking that they had to kind of like, our people quiet down, quiet down, you know, I had uh, to do a little bit of that type of, that. of policing at our parties too, a little bit, a couple times. <laughs> yeah. You know? Or can you do yeah. in the riff contest? People want to yell it out. It's like, yeah. Hey, can, again, like you with the lady next to you. Hey, just real quick. Um, can you shut the fuck up? Please? Fuck off, please. <laughs> especially when Ray, I mean, Ray Burton is, is royalty in the Metallica family. Right. 
and yeah. obviously deserves uh, to be to be taken seriously and to hear him out. He's an older cat. You know, he's a soft-spoken, chill dude. Mm-hmm. Everyone needs to pay some respect and be quiet, Absolutely. for sure. Um, so I guess they just talked about Cliff. I mean, that sounds cool. Yeah, actually, Mike, you know, Mike was really good friends with, you know, if not Cliff's best friend. Right. So mm-hmm. getting his perspectives, you know, that's who that's who um, Rob stayed with when Rob was auditioning. Right, you know? right. So that yeah. whole story. and the, About seeing the poster of Cliff in the, the Cliff guest room. The room and all, mm-hmm. Yep, that, you know, he, it was Mike that he stayed with, so. Right. That that whole perspective and the stories they had and talking about Cliff, it, it was so cool to have that group together in one room, talking about all that. It yeah, was, super it was cool. quite, yeah, it was super cool. So after that, um, they get set up to do the raid meet and greet. So I didn't kind of do that, but while that was going on, they also had what they're calling the thrash panel. So um, they had a few guys, um, you know, Will Carroll and Harold again, and. Um, I can't even pronounce Craig's last name, but all these Bay Area, yeah, so all these Bay Area thrash guys, um, just talking about the 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 thrashing from back in the day. So the little bit I got to catch with that, that was that was pretty interesting. Just to again, these are the people that lived it. That these are people that were in San Francisco in eighty one, eighty two, eighty three when all this took off. You know, Mm. wow. So after that, they did uh, what happens at a lot of these pre parties, the fan jam. So people that know how to play sign up for the fan jam. And I think they somewhat randomly put people together and everybody gets like a song and uh, they go up there and there, there's probably about six different songs. I want to say six different fan jams that, that occurred. Was this the thing that Edgar, Edgar Baradas came on stage and he was wearing a metal up your podcast shirt. Well, they put our logo yep. on, on the, and, yep. and they screen. put our logo on the screen. That's yeah. So, cool. so the back screen, they were putting all these different chapter flags and chapter logos. And, um, that was, that was super cool. Shout out to, um, shout out to Edgar real quick too. He reached out to Ethan and I, yeah. but I think it was while we were on vacation about, Hey, send me whatever logo I want to put your logo with all the chapter flags because you guys do a lot to, for the Metallica community, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, dude, going to send that to you right away. Thanks so much. Whatever. You know, find like a banner picture. Never did it. And I guess he, <laughs> you know, he just figured it out for us and yeah. made sure that uh, Metal Up Your Podcast was represented. Yeah, this, it was pretty which, cool. Which is so cool. So thanks to Edgar for that, by the way. What song did Edgar do? Uh, to be honest, I can't remember. You were hammered. Chris, this <laughs> it was point, probably Chris, something off Lulu. This point, I can't Chris remember. Was, Chris was busy eating Mike Borden's burrito. That's right. <laughs> Not quite MetFam Mike, but another Mike's burrito. That's right. Well, the other thing, too, like I said, I was still having to work work the indie race basically remotely, so I had to be up during garage hours. So I only had like four hours of sleep. Uh, Friday night into Saturday. Would you say you were so, running on empty? I, I was. Yeah, I was on fumes for sure. Because he's talking about cars. Cars. I am just the king of connecting so many disparate threads. That's true. Well, that's why it's you're the master what, lyricist. Sort of what I'm known for. Yes, of course. <laughs> uh, I'm in, So you get to talk to Casey also, which Casey is, we've interfaced with Casey when we got right, to yeah. talk to Ray. She is one of the sweetest people. Yeah, basically, I went, I went, I, I saw Joe uh, Pasilla. Um, he has this custom pick that he has now that yeah, has a saw picture that. of him with the t-shirt. Joe's part like, of the oh, Saravan, by the way. Right, yeah. He's yeah. the t-shirt guy. Yep. I got to get one of those picks. So I kind of went, went back there and asked him for one. I turned around and, you know, they got, they got Ray sitting on the benches and Casey's next to him. So I started talking to Casey. She remembered me from the Vegas show and the, again, like the little composite poster that, that, that I did for my friend's kid. And, um, mm-hmm. so I got talking with her and just catching up with her. 
Um, and at the very end, she was very generous, and she has these um, these Cliff Burton pins. They're not even released yet, and and she gave me one of them. So that nice. was that That's was awesome. really cool. Very yeah. cool. Um, so then I went back out. Um, I was getting close. Just kind of hung out by one of the back bars and just talking to random people as they came by that that I knew. And uh, this is while the the fan jam was still going on and kind of starting to get wrapped up. And then they went into the raffle that they had. So the VIP stuff had raffle tickets that came with it. You could also purchase raffle tickets at the event. Again, all this was a fundraiser for, for all in my hands. Awesome. So the, I think actually first, right before they did the raffle, they, they did have a representative from the foundation there and James gave Hepfield. her a, a big, a big check, uh, $12,500. Wow. So from a, you know, completely fan organized fan run fan fun, you know, that that's a, that's a pretty good chunk of change yeah, to, totally. to get to the foundation. So that was really cool. Then they went to the raffle. They had all kinds of posters they were giving away from different shows. They had this huge, huge, I mean, you like about the size of like, you guys know the size of my big giant S&M from, right, yeah. from Australia. It was like that size, but it was like a death magnetic composite type thing. Cool. That was all signed and everything that they gave away. And then they had a, a James Singer Iron Cross guitar. Wow. That's awesome. Too. So badass. really badass. Um, so they did the raffle, and then the the headliner of the night, the Hardwired to Kill Them All tribute band from Houston, um, with um, I think Randy's uh, lead singer and guitarist. He's, I think he, I know he listens to the podcast and um, is huge on the forums and very, cool. very active in the community. So, um, what's his name? His name is his name's Randy. Randy, Randy Watson. Randy, <laughs> well, you know him as Joe the Policeman. From the Who's Looking Out episode of That's My Mama. Uh, listen, Randy Watson uh, of the Hardwired to Kill Them All tribute band. Uh, send us an email, metalupyourpodcastshow.gmail.com, and come on the show and tell us all about your band. Yeah, totally. That'd be fun. We've had Shane Obershaw from the One tribute band. Right. And, and if any of you guys are fans out there and listen and want to promote your band that are <laughs> working hard to replicate some of the hardest music to play ever, yeah. and that's coming from two professional musicians ourselves, uh, we'd love to talk to you about it. So, Randy, Randy email me. That boy's, uh, good. that boy's good. That boy good, terrible. <laughs> that boy good. Uh, so you had to work the the next morning. So you you were truly like sort of burning the candle, right? Oh yeah. I mean, I I knew I was only gonna get about like four and a half hours of sleep or so. I had to wake up for for qualifying in Indy. So uh, when it got to about twelve thirty one o'clock, it was like, yeah, I think I need to, I think I need to to cut out here. So. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get to to stay to to watch the the entire band set. Um, I was sorry, people that did it said it was really good, but yeah, just had to get back so I could get some sleep before I had to had to work the race and yeah. get all prepared and prepped up and put the tux back on to to do night two. So crazy, man! I mean, gosh, what a what an event filled weekend. So many things to process, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I know you've got a couple little notes from night two. We'll be going into more of that on the next one. But, uh, yep. dude, this is yep. so much for even us to process and the listeners. So mm -hmm. That's right. Thanks for all these copious notes, by the way. <laughs> well, I think I'm only uh, what, six pages this time. Yeah, six pages. So I think I'm known for the copious notes. You are, but that's... that's You're an engineer. But, <laughs> but, here, but here's what I like about it, though. Like, when you walked us through the hardwired experience... Most of us, uh, I mean, Ethan and I are never going to get to experience SNM2 the way you did. And many right. of our listeners feel the same, same with the hardwired experience. So being able to walk through it in that kind of detail is the closest we can get right. to experiencing it, seeing it through your eyes. We all know that you're a diehard fan, so we feel a kinship with that. So mm -hmm. I appreciate you taking the time to make the notes and sharing your experience because it, it heightens, it, it raises the tide for all of us Metallica fans. That's right, yeah. 
And, yeah, of, no. and of course, Chris, all that you do with your donations, you've been a patron of the show for a long time. You've donated things for us to give away at our parties. Uh, you truly are Metalliclaws. It's, That's right. It's, it's a well-deserved nickname. And uh, anyone going to these shows or on the forums can find him on as Honey Badger and see. I think it's just C. Yurgis on all your socials, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's still C. It's, yeah, it's C. Yurgis on all the socials. But yeah, on the forum, I'm known as the Honey Badger. So there's a lot of lot of joking that goes on around that. Honey Badger, don't give a fuck. The forum is a super <laughs> a super fun place. If you are one of these nerds out there, like me and Ethan and Chris, of course, uh, and you, we get emails all the time of people who feel like, oh, the podcast has really helped me find a community of people to be a nerd with. Right, yeah. The Forum is a place you can also do that, and also mm-hmm. to a lesser degree, but also the um, the Metallica subreddit is also a place where you can geek out and be a nerd like us. So, yeah. Chris, thanks for your time, man. We, yeah, we're thank gonna, you, man. We're gonna let you split and wrap this episode up so that we can get it out to our listeners today, and I'm sure we'll see you down the line. We still got to do our S and M one episode with you. That's and right. We, yeah, and we got to do our Sweet Sixteen, comparing the studio versions to the live versions. <sighs> Yeah. There's so much to talk about and do. So much to do. Not to mention, when the movie comes out with this, I'm sure by Christmas I'd I'd expect that there'd be vinyl out and a release of this. So just even comparing, you know, the SM1 to the SM2 version, there's going to be so much like SM stuff to Mm -hmm. the process over probably Mm -hmm. the next six months. We're going to be doing an SM episode every Monday for the next 18 months. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is perfectly fine with me. <laughs> well, Chris, as we let you go here, man, just wanted to again say thank you for everything. Yes. Uh, we love you, dude, and uh, we're glad you're a part of the family, and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. All right. Bye, dude. See ya. Bye. Sayonara. Well, sayonara. Sayonara. All right. Okay. Peace, adios, sayonara. Well, there you have it, folks. Chris, you're just so generous with his time, with his uh, with his donations to the to the the whole Metallica family. That's right, yeah. Yeah, he's the he, he has the gifts, and he keeps on giving them, and... and uh, yeah, he would go- you say he has the gift of gab? He has the gift of gab. <laughs> Walk, walketh through thine portal, receiveth thine gift of gab. Yes, <laughs> yes, of course. Well, here's what's coming up. As we've mentioned in this episode, we're going to be talking to Scott Pringle. Pringle. <laughs> we're talking to Chad Zamish. Uh, we are going to be talking, I think, to Jimmy, who is Lars Guitar Tech. We got Joe Sib. That Harold dude from the Bay Area Thrash documentary. Yeah, a lot of good stu- good sauce coming uh, out. Jay Weinberg's coming back on the show. I mean, just so much. And then plus, in between all that, so much to talk about with Metallica. Yeah. Just between us, we still have albums to listen to, big four to explore. Yep. Um, I I know that I came back from my vacation ready to to do the, to talk Metallica to jump back. It, in. it was. I mean, that was the longest. I mean, we, there, yeah, we didn't put content out, but that was the longest we stepped away from the show since yeah. its beginning. It was so good. it was it was a good healthy little break recharge and uh yeah i'm stoked to be back uh do we want to say anything before we go is there anything i'm else really to hungry say? right now that's yeah what, that's what i'm gonna say hungry and tired i'm hungry and tired you're and very hungry and tired and flatulent yeah i'm very if flatulent I may, if i may add it's kind of a trumpet too <laughs> that's your oboe i did find a harmonica in your couch though i know my do- my daughter we do this thing called creative time where okay there's no screens no tvs and not that we need to wean her. I mean, we don't really ever do much of that. Right. And uh, But creative time is just she can either sing into the microphone and I record it, play piano. Uh, we'll put a Bob Marley record on and she'll just play harmonica to it. Cool. It's just, or she can color and draw, make shit, glue shit. It's creative time. That's awesome. I love so creative you found, time. So I've actually been looking for that. It's yeah, just it hidden just in the couch of, in my studio. And down here, there you go. You got it back. Um, well, cool. Well, it's been good to see you again. Yeah, you too. Back at HQ2. Thanks and for listening. We're glad you're on the ride with us. Yeah. It's been uh, more than a pleasure to keep putting out this content for you every single week. 
Hit us up, show at gmail.com. Yeah, you can email us. We try to respond to all that. If you got something interesting to say, if you got you know comments, concerns, if you want to donate stuff to the show for us to give away, which is a great substitute for becoming a patron, if you can't swing the Patreon, if you've got some Metallica stuff laying around, people send us stuff all the time. We always pay it forward. We 95% of the time give it back out mm-hmm. to somebody. Yeah, exactly. In fact, one of the winners last week, Nicole Williams, uh, she won the Doris Funko Pop. Yeah, awesome. And she wanted to pay that forward because she already has one. So someone so else cool. is going to get that. I'm sending her something else for being so cool. Yeah. Um, she and then, a cool uh, gift. You know what I mean? All sorts of stuff like that. The easiest way to support the show is to leave us a positive review on iTunes, Yeah. Uh, which is real easy. Tell your buddies about it. If you've got a shirt, wear the shirt. If you don't have a shirt, get one. They're get only one. 15 bucks. You can get the EPs on our website for five ninety eight a piece. Yep. Yeah, get on the Patreon train if you want to get involved at a deeper level. Totally. These are all just ways to say thanks and give back to the show. And in the meantime, we're going to keep churning out some Metallica content for you guys. Absolutely. We will see you next week on the flip-flop. And with that, I'll say, see you at the portals. Peace. And in the portal, I will say adios. (laughs) If you were our advisor, what would you say? Then I would say, delete that.